Welcome back to Homestuck Made This World, a show about critical analysis and contextualization of the webcomic Homestuck. I'm Michael, and with me is Cameron. Uh, we're in the end game now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. You know what, uh, when I was reading this, uh-huh. I had a memory. You ever have a memory? Uh, a couple times. Sometimes okay. it's a memory and it turns out that I'm dead and, like, this is the afterlife and I hang out with a whole bunch of people I never actually met. But, mm -hmm. yeah, occasionally there are memories. Like a little kid? Uh-huh. Or uh, perhaps, like, multiple Muppets? Is that uh -huh. what you're saying? Uh-huh. Gonzo's there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, sometimes I just have a memory of when I was, back when I was a kid on AIM and I was talking with Gonzo. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then Gonzo is outside my house. He's like, I'm outside your house, Michael. And I look out the window and Gonzo's there, which he never was in real life. Here's a memory within a memory. You ready for this one? Okay. I believe the last conversation I ever had on AIM, or or, or AKA AIM, depending on your regional preference, uh -huh. someone from the Something Awful Music forum, sub forum mm -hmm. told me about the band Eric's Trip. I believe that's the last conversation I ever had on AIM. <laughs> like, that conversation happened, and you're just like, mm -hmm. well, I'm done, and you logged out forever. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know I think it was like, uh, okay, yeah, let's chat about music again later. You've got interesting taste in music, and I never signed in again. <laughs> you know? If you're out there, person who told me about, you know, Eric Strip, uh, write into the show at queerreceptacle at gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, no, this is the other memory I was thinking about. One time in middle school, we took a field trip to a museum and the Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> it was it was a, dual, a double whammy mm -hmm. in the same day. And uh, someone's dad, who was known for whipping his shirt off and getting just tear-ass drunk... And driving his bush hog across his field in full view of everyone in the town. And just, just quote unquote mowing, but we wouldn't call it mowing, you know? Uh huh. It'd just be, it'd just be a big sunburned dad hauling ass on a tractor. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Tear assing, much like a Tyrannosaurus would. He just would not stop telling us about uh, trivia. About radio stations from the 1960s. Uh, okay. That's just, he just wouldn't stop saying, I remember distinctly him explaining why something would be called like a Hot Wax Friday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do you, do you, do you, are you familiar with the notion of hot wax on a, on a radio station? Um, I don't know if I've ever heard this term before, but I can handily reverse engineer, uh, some sort of explanation here. I would, I would like to hear what the real one is, though. They just play a shitload of records all in a row. Okay, That's, yep. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, only the hits on W blah, 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 blah. Uh, anyway, he just wouldn't stop telling me about everyone in the bus, not just me, but everyone uh -huh. on the bus, about... Minutia from a form and a universe in which we could never occupy. Uh-huh. Because uh, Hot Wax, what, you know, name your day of the week, Hot Wax Monday, Hot Wax Tuesday, Hot Wax Wednesday, that, that has some alliteration. Uh, a Hot Wax day can never come to pass again. Mm-hmm. Because the notion of a Hot Wax moment has passed. 
Mm-hmm. Hot wax it's, means something very different now. Right. <laughs> my my tastes are very strange. <laughs> uh, and you know, like a a, a picture of a, a wooden dowel. And you and you go, oh, I don't know. And you go, Joel, why'd you make this bot? It's <laughs> a deep cut, everybody. Yeah. Who uses Twitter. But that's all to say, uh, these emanations from a time before that I can never occupy, in which meaning was resonant and powerful and significant, <laughs> puts me in the mind of reading the end of Homestuck. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I'm just going to say up top, inscrutable. Mm-hmm. If, if you were not there to talk about it, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got some vibes. I got some image-based vibes of what occurs in the final moments of the program about children stuck at home. Uh huh. But I'm really, I'm really leaning on you today, yeah, Michael, to explain to me what the fuck just happened. Well, uh, what I can say is that the "what the fuck just happened" reaction uh, is actually kind of what the homestuck experience was when the ending dropped in 2016. Finally, right. The archival reader and the the serial reader are united. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I think there's maybe some slight differences in inflection for those experiences, but uh, uh by and large, mm-hmm. can we um, try some out? Can we? Can we do a couple? Sure. What the fuck just happened? Uh huh. <laughs> you do one. Well, that was shit. Oh, I was gonna. Do, I, let me. Do, I'll do. What the fuck <laughs> just happened? <laughs> the end. No moral. <laughs> what the fuck just happened? Uh, I just watched seven minutes of a tadpole. <laughs> hey, that tadpole looks great, though. A bit, a bit <laughs> over. <laughs> that tadpole also looks what great. People say. <laughs> great tadpole. <laughs> People are like, I cannot believe I just watched like six minutes of a tadpole flying through the sky, but it looked really good. The animation was really great. It looked great animation. <laughs> Have we thought about going back and just redoing this whole comic in that animation style? Anyone, <laughs> anyone suggested that? Oh, no. Um, people are kind of like too, too head up, I think, or like confused, disappointed. It's, um, you know, who, uh, who uh, I don't know. I'm sure you'll explain to me what the story is behind that thing. Uh huh. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try. Okay. Um, I guess I should maybe summarize. <clears throat> if you would like to. This is the end. Yeah. yeah. This is the end. <laughs> My only friend, the end. Uh, that, uh, that helicopter. You ever, you ever watch uh, Apocalypse Now as like a 12-year-old? Uh, I think I, I don't think I saw it when I was 12. I saw it when I was 12, and I was watching it home alone, oh, as great. one does. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like, I think... I think we had it on a DVD. I think I borrowed a DVD from someone secretly. Uh huh. And uh, I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, we had it hooked up to like a stereo system that we had purchased from Walmart that had three speakers. Mm-hmm. And so it was like this little fake surround sound. And when right. that helicopter noise went whoa, 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 and like went around from side to side. <laughs> scared the absolute shit out of me. <laughs> You're like I shouldn't have I shouldn't have borrowed this Apocalypse Now DVD. Now the now the choppers are coming for me. 
Right. And so, but uh, as you summarize, please keep that in mind. That's okay. the frame of reference that I'm in. I've still never recovered from just that part of it. Everything else in the podcast, that was totally cool. You know, I was <laughs> I was able to easily adapt to that. Also, it was the redux. So you got that long part about the French plantation in the middle. Uh-huh. Just in case you're curious about what version I watched. <laughs> but so please uh, use uh, kids clubs. Okay. Which I've been informed is not gloves for children, but gloves uh, made out of uh, supple skin. Mm -hmm. After a hiatus of eight months, on March 28th, 2016, Act 6, Act 6, Intermission 5 resumes as after three years in transit, Spade Slick finally arrives in the new game session. He passes Jake's planet while hunting for Lord English and releases the combined might of the felt before getting distracted by another instance of himself, Jack English, who is heading toward Dirk's planet. Slick follows. On Purpo, Rose, Kanaya, Roxy, and John regroup in preparation for fighting the Condess. Roxy reveals she took Bro's katana for the upcoming battle, just as the Condess arrives. In the furthest ring, Jade and Alt Calliope arrive at the Green Sun. Calliope says she must leave Jade behind. Jade is unhappy at being absent from this and the final battle due to the overpowered passivity of the space aspect and First Guardian powers, but Calliope recommends she simply roll with the mysteries of it and try to have fun. Calliope leaves, and Jade is surprised by Dave Peta's sprite. Dave Peta explains that Dave similarly struggled with his aspect's demands before becoming an awesome cat person. Dave Peta says that they believe Jade will similarly and eventually unlock the mysteries of her ultimate self. Dave Peta then kisses Jade and wakes her. She finds a note from Dave telling her that it's her job to handle the Beck-powered PM and Jack Noir when they arrive. On Dirk's planet, Dave, Dirk, and Terezi square up as Jack English and Spade Slick approach. In the Dream Bubbles, Carcat joins Mina and the Ghost Army, deciding to lead the charge once Lord English arrives. They meet the resurrected Vriska, who is waiting with the treasure chest containing Caliborn's magic MacGuffin. Lord English descends from the void, and the army readies itself. PM and Jack Noir also finally enter the session, and Jack, apparently tired of fleeing, turns to face off against his counterpart. In Caliborn's game session, he travels to the core of the Dead Earth to meet with Yaldabaoth for their final battle. Act 6, Act 6, Act 6 begins, and consists of a massive Flash animation known as Collide that shows the various in-game confrontations. Everyone fights their adversaries while Jane and Jaspro Sprite teleport around the session and heal injured players. In the furthest ring, Carcat is hit by Lord English's first attack, wakes up, and is promptly owned by Clover from the felt. In the Dream Bubbles, Andrew Hussey appears and harasses Vriska, keeping her from unleashing the MacGuffin. Caliborn defeats Yaldabaoth before entering a treasure chamber where his MacGuffin chest and God-tier clock are waiting for him. Alt Calliope waits by the green sun while Serenity the Firefly travels throughout the game session observing the various battles before rejoining the mayor. Mina, Tavros, Aradia, Sullex, Dave Petta, and the Ghost Army battle Lord English. In the fight on Purpo, Dad busts out of his prison cell and throws down with cans from the felt. The Condess strangles Jane. Elsewhere, Dirk is grappled by Jack English, who in turn is grappled by Spade Slick. Dirk and Dave exchange knowing looks, and with a single strike, Dave decapitates all three, but uses his time travel powers to rescue Dirk. Gamzee, meanwhile, is still locked in Jane's fridge. Jack English's super-powered head explodes, resulting in a black hole that absorbs most of Dirk's planet. 
Carcat finally bests Clover, and Jake takes out the rest of the felt. Jade distracts Jack Noir and PM by using her space powers to teleport between them and play doggy games before PM gets fed up and punches her out, then slices off Jack Noir's arm, finally removing his ring and depowering him. She grabs the ring and lets out a howl of triumph. Roxy stabs the Condess through the back with Bro's katana. As all the characters seem poised to celebrate their wins, the music fades into distortion and the screen washes to black and white. On April 5th, 2016, Act 6, Act 6, Act 6, and with it, Act 6 as a whole, ends. A series of still image vignettes without dialogue now show the aftermath of the final battles. Jane and Dirk are resurrected, and all the kids, trolls, sprites, and Calliope reconvene on the lily pad platform beneath Skya near a giant red Spurb house logo. Ms. Paint tends to the single remaining and totally depowered Jack Noir, with whom she maybe kind of can have a thing. In the furthest ring, Vriska leaves Hussey in the dust and sets off to use Caliborn's treasure against Lord English, while, in the past, Caliborn fondly regards the treasures he has won. PM and the mayor meet again, and she removes her own ring of power. Together they scale the volcano on Jade's planet and prepare to toss the rings into the lava. Act 7 of Homestuck begins. In a fully animated segment, a set of white curtains rise on Alt Calliope, who readies a conductor's baton, her moment finally at hand. PM and the mayor throw the rings of power into the volcano, causing it to erupt and disgorge the Genesis tadpole that fell in just prior to the events of Cascade. The tadpole rockets into Skya, developing as it goes, before landing in the core of the battlefield. Alt Calliope summons a singularity that apparently absorbs her and begins to siphon away the green sun. The battlefield shatters, hatching a new universe frog. The assembled cast is awed by the sight. The green sun is devoured by Calliope's singularity, birthing a supermassive black hole that now begins to absorb the rest of Paradox space, which has already been considerably fractured and weakened by Lord English's rampage. Aradia watches in satisfaction as everything finally begins to fall apart. In the dream bubbles, Lord English's eyes stop flashing, becoming a pair of inert eight balls. Vriska approaches him and opens Caliborn's treasure chest, unleashing a massive version of Homestuck's iconic house glyph, its four squares charged with the essences of breath, light, time, and space, the aspects of the four original kids. The house icon lands before Lord English, and a door appears on its surface. Circumstantially simultaneous with this, the house glyph on the player's in-game platform inverts, turning from red to white, and a door appears on it, while in his session, Caliborn begins to destroy his god-tier clock with the magic crowbar. Jade prepares the miniaturized Earth for transportation to the new universe, and we see in a flash-forward the civilization the kids will create. A utopian world of perpetual hangouts where game constructs, trolls, and humans live together in a harmonious urban environment planned by PM and the mayor, beneath a massive thanks-for-playing victory message that hovers eternally by the sun. Back in the present, John prepares to open the door to the new universe. Meanwhile, with his god-tier clock destroyed, Caliborn is finally and fully infused with the clockwork magic power of unconditional immortality, his eyes erupting in flashing rainbow-colored light as he ascends to lordship over his confining reality, which is, of course, circumstantially simultaneous with the precise moment that John finally opens the door on the platform and he and all of his friends step out of the story. On April 13th, 2016, seven years to the day it began, Homestuck ends. 
Seven months later, on October 25th, 2016, the end credits, in the form of a series of Snapchat messages, provide a look at what will be called the, quote, post-canon lives of the characters, an idea we'll discuss more fully later. In this version of events, the kids repopulate the transplanted Earth with ectobiology and other game technologies, then skip several millennia forward to the point where civilization has been rebuilt. They are praised as the creators of the resulting human, troll, carapace, and consort kingdoms. The years pass, and more of John Egbert's birthdays come and go. Rose and Kanaya get married. Terezi returns to the desolate game session, where Alt Calliope's singularity continues to absorb the remnants of the furthest ring, including various remaining troll ghosts, but Terezi finds no sign of the troll for whom she's searching, Vriska. Jane restarts Crocker Corp and becomes CEO. Jake does the same with Skyanet while also becoming a television star. Dirk works on his robot building skills, and Rose and Kanaya care for the troll's new mother grub. Dave, Carcat, and Jade explore old ruins and cohabitate in the troll kingdom, while Roxy and Callie live together in the Carapace kingdom. John, meanwhile, lives alone in his childhood home, right up to his 20th birthday, when he receives a message from the rainbow-eyed Caliborn daring him to return to the game session and end their beef once and for all. Instead, John smashes his phone screen with a hammer. Wow. That's it. They did it. That is it. Is there uh, any explanation why that uh, why Calliope does all that stuff? Uh, no. Okay. I mean, there's there's a lot of theorizing, right? Sure, but there's <laughs> nothing uh, in in the words that are written on the page previous to it occurring that say I'm going to make a big old black hole singularity uh, thing. Yep. Nope. There there's nothing about that. Uh, it is. Uh, Merely understood because of a couple things. One, it is a repetition or echo of what happened when Caliborn entered his game session. When he entered mm-hmm. it alone, right? He he created a black hole that began siphoning off the uh, 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 red star around mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Uh, the dead Earth he and Calliope lived on was was orbiting. Um, and this is also what the villains do in Problem Sleuth. Right? Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Mobster Kingpin, uh, when he like, uh, you know, becomes like super powered. One of the ways he does that is he like splits himself. Right. He has uh, like a version of himself that is like inside a super massive black hole and he continues to like absorb things to become more powerful while he has this kind of like monstrous uh, uh uh, you know, psychic projection of himself, like the imaginary mm-hmm. projection outside of the thing. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of what it's being put into conversation with. But what exactly mm-hmm. that means in the context of this story uh, has to be worked out by everyone who is now staring at their screens, dumbfounded, trying to figure out what to do. Dave should have gone back in time and then... Uh at the originary point of the universe made all of the atoms little Daves mm-hmm. so that he could also do the thing that happens at the end of Problem Sleuth <laughs> where he becomes all of existence like Pickles Longworth does or whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's kind of what is ha- that, that's what's being echoed by John's retcons, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. Like the the ability to retcon into the story, uh, because this is the ultimate kind of like, uh, uh, I guess, gag about Caliborn, right? 
Uh, is he like wants to ascend to uh, dominance over over the world around him, which is also like the the broader narrative of Homestuck itself. Uh, there's like a, a continuity there, like things things in Homestuck always like point to or run into each other, right? They they become mm-hmm. isomorphic with one another. Um, and uh, he, he thinks that's the case, right? Lord English is like this, uh, uh you know, wonderful self-insert, like, destructive demon type thing. Uh, but ultimately, it's John who causes all of this to happen because we know from Caliborn's own story that he only gets to become Lord English because at some point, John and the rest of the kids, like, retcon themselves into wherever Caliborn is and they have that final smackdown. Uh right. And most people expect it, not most people, I should say. I, I don't know what most people expected. It. It's not like I was doing mm-hmm. a, a, a poll. Mm-hmm. Um, many people. Many people, right? And this is a, a thing from the Something Awful thread. Many people expected this ending to somehow revisit that scene because we saw it at such a remove with uh, Caliborn's um, uh, weird little claymation thing, right? The, mm-hmm. the expectation was, oh, okay, we saw Caliborn's version of this. Obviously, Caliborn's not going to like tell us the whole story or there's something he doesn't understand or whatever. So we're going to see this happen again, but from like a new perspective uh, that reveals something uh, uh, that recontextualizes, right? Whatever's going on. And that just doesn't happen. <laughs> we like that just, we're, we're just left uh, to know that the, uh, whatever Caliborn was describing happened. And, you know, because of, I guess, the the infinite malleability of the retcon powers, uh, like, you just, John could, there there could be any moment in time in the narrative where you can imagine John retconning himself in and doing something critical, and so, right. yeah, right? Uh, but uh, one thing I would like to float, because uh, you asked about this uh, when we ta- discussed Caliborn's masterpiece, is, you know, like, why this? <laughs> what is going yep. on with this specific thing? Uh-huh. Uh, I think one way of understanding... Uh, I would that- like to expand that comment for okay. all of Homestuck, please. Yes. Uh-huh. Well... <laughs> Why this? I, I can't... <laughs> I don't know if I can answer that, uh, but I can, I think, do something with the claymation, mm-hmm. um, which I talked about at the time as being um, notable for... Uh, a couple of things. One being that it's like physically real, right? It's like materially real, like it's it's actual little figures and stuff. Um, which Caliborn is constantly like talking up as uh really cool and good and like a a, a huge artistic innovation and all this stuff, right? Um, I can't remember exactly how he puts it. It's very funny. Uh, but it's like a it, it's a skewering of all of Homestuck's kind of like formal experimentation and even kind of like claims that people were making at the time and claims that I've made and claims other people have made about Homestuck uh, being artistically innovative and in kind of a new medium. Uh, he says, you know, it's like a, a this is something you trashy fuck munches never thought to pioneer in a thousand years. <laughs> uh Excellent. Right. So it's this. No notes. <laughs> so it's this like little uh uh like fit like this artistic innovation quote unquote that he can do and he can do all on his own right and that specifically also Hussey can do on their own. Now I don't know if that was actually what happened or if they had like help or whatever, um, but I think that's how we're to understand it that the claymation is a thing that can be done on one's own, um, and I think the counterpoint to that right the counterpoint to Caliborn's masterpiece is Act Seven, uh this big 
big uh, sort of, uh, uh, compared to many of the animations, the rest of the comic, very, very lush um, animation that is like nine minutes long. Uh, And that is done by... I think there's a couple of people who work on it, but uh, the person who spearheads this final animation is um, Angela Sham, who did the Lullaby for the Gods uh, fan video, if you remember that one. Mm, What happens in it? That's the one that has like the little um, music box kind of tinkling melody, and it shows all of the kids like waking up and like jumping into each other's kind of frame, and then it works, and then eventually like the trolls show up and so on and so forth. It was one that uh, you and oh, I. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. I see. Uh-huh. It. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It kind of looks um, storyboardy. Yes. Um, yeah. So very cool. Yes. Uh, uh, that fan video is very popular. You and I had very nice things to say about it when we did our uh, bonus episode on the fan videos. And wouldn't you know it? Um, uh, she is tapped to. Uh, I get. I, I don't know exactly how the the duties here worked out, but I know that like uh, she was like the the lead animator or or whatever the specific term might be uh, for mm-hmm. Act Seven. Um, and related to that, of course, we have the much longer collide animation, um, which has a whole bunch of uh, unique and bespoke art assets by what are clearly other artists going into it. Uh, and also by this point, when these updates resume, uh, the panels that we have are no longer being drawn by Hussey. Hussey is not illustrating Homestuck anymore. Uh, the final panels leading up to these animations are drawn um, by uh, uh, Gina, and I'm sorry, I, I don't know how to pronounce the last name here, but uh, Shaken or Chacken, um, Mallory Dyer and Adrian Garcia, uh, who are all people who at this point historically have also been, they, they were fan artists uh, who have now been employed by What Pumpkin um, as it's become a game studio. So they, the mm. the Homestuck uh, franchise machine uh takes over the comic at the end essentially right like this this uh uh kind of situation where notable fan creators get uh picked to uh lead actual like official creative projects uh within the franchise seems dangerous uh-huh yeah. crossing the streams like that well well we'll talk more about that when making we... making people work on one thing when they're supposed to be working on a different thing mm. yep seems it seems pretty uh laissez-faire when it comes to uh Picking projects. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I wouldn't do it personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this is this is one of the things that happens, right? That's that's kind of like on the technical end. And I think if we're going to, uh, I, I, the points that you're raising are points that I want to revisit, especially later when when some other things start happening. Um, but I think uh, the maybe intended or charitable read here, right, is that the, the ending of this comic is this big collaborative effort of the fans, uh, right? This this beautiful sort of unique animation uh, that is Act 7 um, is uh, uh, the, the better version of the shitty little uh, experimental animation that Caliborn does, right? I, I think if mm-hmm. we want to try to read this thematically or kind of like these ideas that Homestuck is playing with, with uh, modes of creation or sub-creation, uh, that's one way that we can parse this out. If only Caliborn had collaborated. Uh-huh. He could have made a thing that was less bad. Uh-huh, Right. I mean, yeah, I, you know, uh, as we've <clears throat> talked about many, many times, right? Many characters in this take a turn for the self-referential or the insert, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we get lots of authorial inserts and lots of uh, reader 
uh, interactor, you know, whatever term you want to use, inserts, and Caliborn is both at at various times. And I could see that. I could see a reading of that. If 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 only Caliborn would ask for help, or had the capacity to ask for help, then the product would be much better. Mm-hmm. But but Caliborn cannot, right? Because he sucks, right? He he can and only so, make know, demands. That as, <laughs> right, right. And uh, you know, I guess we could read that as like a um, an auto critique here. Mm-hmm. You know. If if you get a bunch of people to help you and you pay the money to help you do it, you get a better product in the end. Shocker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, a, a multiplication of labor power does, in fact, sometimes make a better product. Yeah. The lonely auteur only makes claymation. But here, th- this is what I, I got to come in and I got to say. I also like Caliborn's shitty product, though. I know. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Uh, and it just, I don't know, it's its its definitely nothing like uh, I've seen in anything else before. <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, like, it's its its so singular and odd. Mm-hmm. In the way that, like, the trial of Murder Dog is singular <laughs> and odd, right? You know, they're not... The, the trial of Murder Dog is perhaps one of the greatest games ever made. Like, just no question, right? Mm-hmm. But it is also the product of a deeply singular... <laughs> Uh, a set of choices, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That are both aesthetic and narrative that make it unlike anything else on the planet. Which you know that the Act Seven animation is really cool, but it, it also is like genre and visually familiar, right? Right. Like it, it plays with a lot of very um, uh, familiar images. Can, can I say and something that is uh, shouted, shouted like ringingly over the hills and dales of the thread? Sure. Homestuck is anime. Homestuck is finally anime. Homestuck is anime. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I, like it that's that's that is sort of the, the animation style. Those are the style right. reference uh uh invoked here. Uh and it's to the point, like what you're saying, like that that claymation thing and Caliborn's masterpiece shows up and n- no one knows what to do. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Well, what's interesting about the uh, the like Homestuck is anime and the the influences there at the end, uh, you know, a lot of them are like in coloring choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say it has that kind of like almost washed out look of like a lot of '90s anime, mm-hmm. uh, and also the frame rate mm-hmm. um, replication, right? Like they're in the images, especially of Calliope doing all that stuff, right? And where you get the uh, like swoosh lines. I don't know what the technical term is there, right? But the kind of action-oriented lines, you know, it's mimicking a frame rate limiting, mm-hmm. uh, which which also has this kind of like '80s and '90s anime look to it. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, like when we get the close-up shots of the kids that almost look like 3D models that are being kind of warped. I mean, something's going on there with, um, like, uh, motion animation, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's a single frame that's being manipulated in a way. Anyway, yeah. It is interesting. I, I think that there are lots of cool, different maneuvers that are being uh, levied there to get a really unique look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and everyone agrees uh, here at the end that uh, the animation is cool. These animations are cool as heck, uh, but the ending itself is, and this is in the thread, this is also on Tumblr, is mostly a, an occasion for confusion and disappointment. Um, a lot of questions linger. Uh, some of them are like sp- specific questions about like their trajectories or endpoints of, of various characters. And some of them are just things like, well, what what on earth happened? 
Mm-hmm. Like, what does any of this mean? Uh, because, uh, and this is something that uh, people complain about. After uh, the final conversation between uh, Dirk and Dave, as the uh, Jacks are coming to them, and then uh, the the Bros and Terezi are like squaring up for their final battle, uh, mm-hmm. no one talks. You know, the the, mm-hmm. the the end of this comic is uh, 25, 30 minutes of animation and a little bit of, like, reading, right? But visual reading. There's, there's narration disappears. Um, and people are like, well, this comic, like, made its name with dialogue. So, like, why did all the characters stop talking? Like, why is there no explanation for anything? Uh, and so you just get all of these images that uh, you have to, like, use your knowledge of the story previously to kind of, like, puzzle together uh, just to give you some uh, sense of, like, discussion, right? Uh, It's compared to other endings, of course. Here are some uh, endings of other things that the ending of Homestuck is compared to in the Something Awful thread. The Dark Tower. The End of Evangelion. Lost. The Sopranos. Mass Effect 3, Life is Strange, and all of these are uh, uh, pretty negative comparisons. Like, these are all things that uh, are known. Uh, Life is Strange is the one that feels like the odd one out to me, because I, I know I know that there was, like, uh, uh, like I think this is a very two th- uh, yeah, uh, 2016 conversation. <laughs> In, yeah, I right? just, I, I mean, I've completed that game. I don't. I don't remember the ending super clear, but I think it's pretty unambiguous about what happened. Although, I, I, I guess I understand what's happening there, because all of these are endings in which you have to do quite a bit of work to make it satisfying for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, in a general sense, a, a thing that has to be reckoned with, and this what, you know this is what David Chase has said about The Sopranos... This is what uh, the initial creative team have said about Lost. You know, everyone from the original creative team for Lost are gone, I think, by season four. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're done. And they were all trying to leave by season two. That You know, <laughs> they had decided we are done with, you know, and kicking it off down the road. Like, uh, there are some shows like The Sopranos, right, where um, uh, one person is going to be around for the whole thing. But for the most part, even even in tightly controlled projects, right, like... The staff of a thing changes. You know, the way The Mm -hmm. Sopranos was written is that David Chase would sit down. I think I've talked about this on the show before. Mm -hmm. David Chase would lie on his back in his trailer, and the writers would sit around him, and he would just talk, and they would write stuff on a big whiteboard and write things on notepads, and as they just talked about random shit, they would eventually break a script, you know, break a big you know, a five-act piece or a three-act piece, and then he would be like, all right, well, you go write that. (laughs) That's how The Sopranos is written. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, it's deeply auteurist in some ways Mm -hmm. because it really is just random conversations with David Chase that give rise to these things, but then the kind of dramatic beat-by-beat is handed off entirely to the writing staff or mostly to the writing staff. There are some episodes, I think, that that Chase had a little bit more of a heavy hand in. Um, Or Lost, right, where... Literally, there is no one there. The people who set up the the, the kind of clockwork universe and set it spinning literally are gone. Mm-hmm. And that's that's most TV shows, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of who is actually doing the day-by-day creation of the thing, and, and especially in TV where directors change quite often. Um, you know, it's it's pretty rare 
for a singular vision, you know, to, to stick around. That's It's often guided mostly by producers and then the nebulous showrunner, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in games, that's the case, right? Where someone who might have a more direct, a game director who might have a more direct hand, well, they might not direct the DLC. You know, I've, I've been, I'm working on this book on Assassin's Creed, uh, and you know, you know, you'll you begin to notice that story critical DLC that that change the entire way that we take the plot of the game mm-hmm. is written by entirely different people than wrote the main game and is uh, produced and directed by different people. So, you know, that's all to say that the the collaborative process introduces in a lot of, you know, what granular change and a lot mm-hmm. of transformations. And um, that that's important to, like, take note of, right? And I don't think there's any that is compounded with the fact that I don't think there's any universe in which Homestuck could ever make an ending that feels complete and useful for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a canny decision to abandon that. Yeah, like why? Like it's a mistake to even try. And so I think it's a good, much like The Sopranos. I think the ending of The Sopranos is a a genius work. If only because it abandons the idea of having to resolve the plot for 15 characters because you you can't. Right. Um, You know, life goes on. The world goes on. Mm -hmm. Um, And in some ways, I think the credits are a little bit disappointing here. Yeah. um, Because I I think that they, I don't know, but I I understand that what you're saying, that they're setting up post-canon or whatever, but I I, I don't think they're necessary in terms of, I don't think they give you much more than the ending itself does. Oh, I absolutely agree. Um. And I have more to say about kind of like the specific, uh, like the specific context and like what's going on uh, with the credits mm. uh, that we can save for later. Because uh, the thing to emphasize is that in the moment, people got this ending, and this was it. It like the credits did not drop until seven months later. So right. all of the discourse about the ending and trying to figure out what happened, that all happened. Uh, not even during those seven months, right? It happened pretty early on, and then everything just kind of dies down because everyone's like, well, guess that's over. Um, and this is also the point at which, um, uh, you know, the thread uh, just gets worse and worse and worse. And notably, uh, I stopped posting. Like, you know... In, in terms of... Gets worse and worse in terms of behavior? In terms of behavior. Got it. Uh, the, the, the thread becomes, in a word, rancid. Um, Got it. But I will I will discuss that uh, later uh, uh, when we talk about sort of the the credits specifically. Um, mm-hmm. At the time, uh, everyone kind of like has all these images and they're trying to parse out what they mean. And so I, I gave a in my summary a fairly specific interpretation of what's going on. Uh, but at the time, there's no real way to finalize that. Right? It's only. Uh, uh, what you sort of choose to believe about these images and what they mean uh, that that determines uh, sort of w- what what is actually going on. Um, so there are kind of some alternative understandings here, or like points of confusion. Uh, one of the understandings is that Caliborn has won. Uh, that what's going to happen because of the the way that the visual language works with uh, Vriska opening. Uh, that uh, the the treasure chest, the giant house logo coming out and like slamming down and then a door appearing in it. And this is intercut with uh, the similar house logo on the platform where all the characters are uh, growing its door that John is getting ready to open. And it's like at the moment that John opens that door, everything ends. And that's intercut with uh, the images of Caliborn getting powered up 
People mm-hmm. are like, oh, okay, uh, they are going to open that door, they are going to step through right into, into like, full view of Lord English, and he's just going to kill them all. Um, and this is uh, specifically because of the way it, like, intercuts between uh, Caliborn powering up Lord English and uh, uh, the characters opening the door is put into conversation with the moment in Act 5 uh, when the trolls completed the game, um, and they are getting ready to enter their new universe, and then we have this author figure who shows up in, in the form of the superpowered Jack Noir, uh, mm-hmm. who slices through the door, and as Aradia puts it, right, uh, 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 barred us entry into the universe that we had created, um, and so on the meta level, again, this is kind of happening, right? That there's uh, all of these people who were feeling like, okay, the story's building up to something, we're going to get something. And we get a glimpse of that through that little flash forward of like what the world after the ending of Homestuck is for these characters. Uh, but the uh, internal author figure uh, uh, who signals like the end of the narrative, right, uses the end of the narrative to cut you off from kind of that transitionary move, from kind of the full access of it, uh, which I think is interesting. <laughs> uh, it, it, As you yeah. say, it. Uh, th- there was, when I uh, see this ending historically, I'm like, well, okay, because as you say, uh, I don't think that there was a way to end this that like made everyone happy. So an ending that basically seems to say, okay, the story's over and now the characters get to like hang out and I don't know, imagine them doing what you like to imagine them doing. Have fun. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a pretty reasonable ending. (laughs) Yeah. That, that there is a, there's kind of an escape from plot. Yes. That happens. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh, And and from plot to instance, right? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, literally the credits are Snapchat, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I understand that, you know. There's a big gap here or whatever, but the, uh, you you know, the mode of storytelling that takes place after they walk through the door and they make the world or, you know, after the new universe is made, I guess. Mm -hmm. The mode of storytelling is anecdotal and slicey Mm -hmm. and limited, Mm -hmm. like fanfic, Mm -hmm. right? Or or like the individual kind of fanfic images, right? The prompt image. Mm -hmm. And like, none of that's, that's not a problem, right? Like, that's okay. And obviously... You know, the the reality of the production of the thing is everyone other than Andrew Hussey is already making these things, right? Like, if we're thinking aggregate instances of Homestuck appearing in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like, inter- interruptions of Homestuck into the real, absolutely, each panel is outnumbered by fan creation. Mm-hmm. You know, what, 10 to 1? 20 yeah. to 1? Something yeah. like that? Probably. And so... And so it makes sense to me that you would you would open the door, and I think it is a it is a kind thing to do to open the door, mm-hmm. um, because you can imagine a spiteful thing saying, "All right, the canonical Indians, everyone is dead. Good luck. Have fun with these like fanfics you have." Right. But but you know, Hussey makes the decision, or the creative team makes the decision to open it up into um, whatever you want to be true can now be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, I don't the minutia of getting everything right. And I'm sure it has been fan theorized to death, right? Like what actually happens in the end of the comic. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that there are people who are angry about the way that we, that we have just talked about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Who are like, you know, uh, believe we've read a panel wrong or something like that. And that's fine. I mean, that welcome, you know, welcome to the tyranny of the image. Right. Uh, in the indeterminacy of human communication. Uh huh. 
uh, you know, is communication connections or is it gaps? Mm-hmm. Tune in next time. <laughs> um, but uh, but but reality, right? You know, and and the way I take it, and I think an easy way of reading the ending is that there is a stable loop that produces Lord English, and then that loop is overcome. Yeah, right. Like by going into the new universe. Like no matter what the actual mechanisms are, there. That's basically it, right? Like Caliborn, Caliborn's story, and Lord English's story. Going all the way back to the entrance of uh, Big Cue Ball Head. What's his name? Uh, uh, Doc Scratch. Uh, Doc Scratch, right. All of this, you know, my lord is already here, blah, blah, blah. All of that is true, and it's just the description of a stable loop within, you know, the initiating universe, and then the universe that they go to is outside of those rules and right. regulations. Yeah. The end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, good luck. Have fun. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, uh, I'll flag this because you are correct, that there are some um, gaps that get filled in here that if, for instance, you went to the Homestuck Wiki right now and started reading, there are some connections that are theorized here at the end uh, that are reported on the Wiki as basically factual, and there is just no textual basis for them. Um, oh, interesting. Right. Like what? You got you got a loaded example? Uh, so, for instance, um, someone in the Something Awful thread, like, I, I'd always wondered where this came from. There is this uh, mention on the wiki that when uh, Jack English's head explodes and becomes that other singularity, um, and it takes out half of Dirk's planet, uh, we know two things. One, Yaldabaoth the Denizen is in the core of Dirk's planet, and Gamzee, mm-hmm. Uh, is in the fridge on Dirk's planet. He's been locked in the fridge. So mm-hmm. someone, uh, the, the wiki asserts that when that black hole happens, uh, Yaldabaoth and Gamzee are absorbed into uh, the future, into the game session that Caliborn is going to, uh, has is actually already in, when in his black hole. I do not know, mm-hmm. and, and my question has always been, like, why, where are people getting this idea? Like, why would we assume that, like, two black holes link up? Because if that's true, then, like, why doesn't Calliope's black hole also link to Caliborn's game session? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but someone in the Something Awful thread just, like, theorizes that, right, that connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was weird, like, reading this post from 2016 and being like, oh, here's where that idea comes from that's just, like, reported on the wiki as kind of, like, self-evidently true. Um, but mm-hmm. one of the things that this buys you is that if you believe this, uh, then that's how Yaldabaoth and Gamzee get into Caliborn's game session, as we've already seen. Oh, yeah. Um, and so then the understanding becomes that uh, the new universe, like the new planet, uh, that, or not actually, it's not the new planet. This is the other thing. It's like, it's still just Earth. <laughs> like, they just resurrect oh, yeah. Earth. <laughs> right, right, um, right. Uh, the, Ur- but the new universe with old Earth. Right. So uh, the the Earth, Earth C, as it's called in the credits, because we've oh, had Lord. Earth A, Earth B, and right. Earth C. Yeah. Right. I forgot about uh-huh. that. Yeah, it is, it is called that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. The understanding then becomes that on Earth C, in like all of the stuff happens where uh, after this, after Homestuck is over, the characters live and do whatever. And then in the far, far future of that planet, uh, when everyone is dead and the star is dying, that's when the cherubs are deposited there. And that actually is what starts the whole loop. And so, uh, you know, what seemed to have been like Caliborn's uh, total ascent to masterdom or whatever was always already a kind of side note to what was ultimately like Calliope's uh, creation of her own circumstances and sort of like her her own, you know, planet where she got to hang out with all of her friends. Interesting. Right. I, have, I don't know what to make of that. And uh, I would never have gotten there. Yeah. 
right, right. by just reading the thing. Right. So <laughs> I don't know what to, <laughs> to say about it. Well, it's uh, I, 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 oh, go ahead. I was just say it's it's a desire for that closed loop, which um, right. seems to me kind of contrary to one of the themes here at the end, because like my preferred reading at this point was something like. I, Caliborn's the dude of closed loops like fuck him like <laughs> they get to go live off in their own like stable fork of reality where they they don't have to uh like close all of those loops for him to ensure that uh he continues to exist they just get to be their own thing right yeah that's that's how I take it too and you know it's the uh I just finished rereading uh Animal Man mm-hmm. um you know the Grant Morrison that we talked about all the way back like a million episodes ago and, uh, you know, it, it basically, I, I don't know how Homestuck is definitely in conversation with Animal Man. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's on purpose or not. Mm. You know, I, I don't really know if it's an mm-hmm. intertext in the way that definitely the never ending story is an intertext. It, it's inescapable. Um, you know, it is structurally a part of what's going on in Homestuck in, in many visible and uh, conceptual ways. Homestuck just runs into a bunch of the same concerns of of Animal Man. And is that because it's in conversation with comics in a general sense? Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, it wouldn't shock me if they they run into the same stuff or, you know, has Hussey read Animal Man and, uh, you know, it's imprinted somewhere deep in their psyche, you know, Mm -hmm. or or on purpose. Hard to know. To me, it's in this comic. If there's a reference being made, it is rarely hidden Mm -hmm. and so the fact that we don't get you know a character looking at the audience or something although we kind of get that we get the ms paint person the reader Mm -hmm. um so i don't know Mm -hmm. anyway but the uh i mean yeah the end of homestuck here is very similar to like what if you could actually pay off the end of morrison's animal man Mm -hmm. right like what if uh buddy could actually get out of this fucking nightmare that's been constructed for him right uh, th- this linear nightmare in which all of his desires and fears and hopes and dreams are hopelessly uh, dead and retcons constantly are occurring to him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, to, without his knowledge that the conditions under which reality are written um, are not only happening and it erases important parts of his life, but he doesn't even know it, mm-hmm. you know, that, that reality is, is uh, being written in that way. And this seems to be just a clear, you know, what if what if uh, Hussey did one step more than Grant Morrison did, you know, and didn't kind of throw up their hands at the end, uh, which is what Morrison does, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the end of that is Grant Morrison say, kind of throwing up their hands and being like, well, it's how comics work. Someone <laughs> else is going to show up and write you. Uh-huh. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm out, you know, and then there's that beautiful kind of like last two pages mm-hmm. uh, that I wouldn't want to spoil for anyone. Uh, uh, but... Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of what's happening, as you're saying, right? Like, Lord English is the dude of closed loops. Right. And, uh, and the only way to kind of get out of that is to cut the string. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's hard hard for me to read the end of this as anything other than cutting the string on purpose and, and trying not to say much more than you have to. Right. Right. And if Homestuck, uh, like, you know, Homestuck is both story and game or, like, uh, poaches from these things um, mm-hmm. in strategic ways, uh homestuck is a story that ends by just saying like we are done with the story and if it's a game that ends it ends by saying maybe we should stop playing the game i think right or like um um we should allow the game to reach a kind of end state uh because and this is like or, or i'm tired of running this game right <laughs> you know it's the it's the ultimate D uh campaign petering out right <laughs> yes. it's just like i think i think i'm tired of doing this um 
someone else should run this game for a little while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, uh, it's it's interesting because even in the visual language of the comic here, and particularly the ways that the characters are represented, um, when these new artists take over with the uh, uh, panels, um, we get a new like look to the characters that is very much like a look that they've had before. And I think it's it's uh, worth kind of like reflecting on the history here, where we start out with these little sprite dudes, right? The characters are all little sprites; they're very iconic or iconographic. Um, and then we get the introduction of what the fandom calls hero mode, where you get, uh, uh, you know, sort of more realistic or more uh, at least realistically proportioned representations of the characters. Um, this grows into the very controversial Hus Nasty mode, uh, where they are made to look even more verisimilar and people have uh, uh, strong reactions to that. Uh, and then we walk back from that. And by the end of the comic, uh, everyone is a cartoon. Um, even when they're like in their hero mode, quote unquote, when they're more proportional, uh, they look like cartoons. And in uh, uh, the Act 7 animation, uh, they are like mannequins, right? It's like a circle for a head, a, a cylinder for a neck. Uh, uh, there's a way that the comic was early on experimenting with making them look more real. But here we finally end on uh, a look that I can only think of as being like action figures, right? That uh, mm -hmm. And this, yeah. this fits in with uh, stuff that Hussey has said about uh, the characters being intentionally templatized. The idea here is you sort of take the iconic version of the character or the platonic in, in some language that's been used, right? The the ideal version of a character. Uh, and then uh, in your kind of version of them, you get to like slightly change their hair or like give them a, a, a human skin tone and that sort of thing. Um, and so uh, I think it's also interesting then that uh, we, we see this move to standardization of how the characters look in the official materials as uh, these kind of representations without particular qualities that makes them easy to pass among, uh, say, Andrew Hussey to this group of artists uh, who then continue to uh, draw the characters in this particular way, which continues uh, to influence like, you know, the Homestuck uh, or the, rather the Hive Swap games and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And this uh, creates a situation to talk about sort of regular comics. And this is discussed in the um, the thread, not in terms of like visuality, as I'm saying here, but uh, in terms mm -hmm. of like. Uh, the different versions of the characters that Homestuck itself is always thematizing. Uh, this is like regular comics, right? In in the uh, Something Awful thread, they talk about like, well, which version of Batman is more real, right? Right. Um, and so what Homestuck is doing here, at least partly, is it's setting a stage to create like a more traditional comics ecology where here are these characters, they're kind of like broadly drawn or like here are their specific qualities and uh, a bunch of, or like, you know, a stable of rotating creators is going to come in and out here and kind of provide their versions and variations of them uh, as this narrative uh, continues in its, uh, uh, the official like post-canon what pumpkin capacity. Yeah, it's the transfer, the full transformation of Homestuck into intellectual property. Yes, mm -hmm. in, into a thing that can be um, transformed in order to generate more value. Mm -hmm. Yep. I don't know if that's happened. <laughs> I mean, I guess it has with the additional games and stuff like that, uh, uh, Hive Swap and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that's occurred, but it, you know, it's not Batman, right? Yeah. Uh, and the, what was I going to say? So, 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 I and I guess it's not that profitable maybe, right? Like, 
the the it it seems as if the physical volumes are never all coming out isn't yeah. that true yeah uh, that appears to be true uh viz um has i believe confirmed that they will not be doing the the back half of the comic yeah so just kind of seems like and is the additional kind of pseudo canon stuff that's coming out from the, the like team of people who's running Homestuck now is that monetized in any way? It's not, right? Oh no, no, the games are monetized. There have been some friend sims, so it's not just the hype swap games. Right. There's like right. a sort of there's a series called Friend Sim that's kind of a series of visual novels that allows you to like you know chat with the characters in in right. uh, non canon situations. And like, but there's not like Homestuck. What, like what is this Homestuck two? People keep telling me about. That's a thing that we're going to have to wait to talk about uh, after the epilogues. But but it but it's not monetized. I guess is what I mean. There asking. was a Patreon. Okay, and is uh, were th- were the epilogues monetized? Uh, in the sense that there is a physical book you can buy. Yes, but otherwise they were released for free on the website. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get a sense of like from from the official organ. Mm-hmm. You know what 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 is the strategy here? Mm-hmm. And it seems like the games are the predominant money strategy mm-hmm. and i believe there's like, there's still merch right you can still go buy official homestuck merch although not as much as you used to be able to i'm gonna look none of it loads okay great mm. the homestuck website just doesn't work anymore <laughs> like homestuck.com yeah i mean yeah. you just you click on stuff and like things don't load you know yeah Viz Viz notoriously took took over the website. In fact, takes over the website in uh, 2017 or thereabouts, I believe. Let me double check my uh, timeline here. Uh, yeah, September 2017 is when uh, Viz takes over um, and uh, makes some sort of indications that they're going to be maintaining the website and have notoriously not really maintained the website at all. Uh, what pumpkins website? does not have a shop and the shop page takes you to a dead link. So it seems like the only store for like official merch is the, uh, Topa Toco store. Oh, okay. Hmm. Topatico. As of the, this very moment I'm recording. And a lot of, uh, Topatico stuff, I believe is like basically reserve stock. That's where I got my Caliborn shirt for my big reveal, for instance. Mm. And I had to buy a size that was like one larger than, uh, actually fits me, uh, and then like mend it to, to actually fit me because, those are the last Caliborn shirts, and they have limited stock. Wow! Yeah. Oh yeah, last chance. I see it. There's still some. So if you want, if you want a Homestuck merch, tell them Range Touch sent you. <laughs> I don't. You'll know. get nothing. Yeah, you get nothing for that. They're gonna be like, what? Uh, but yeah, like so. Uh, yeah, the the the. That's sort of what, not disappointing, uh, it, dis- disappointing is the wrong word when the um, credits come around for me, but it is kind of like, oh, okay, like this is what's happening. So we can talk about that. Um, the comic ends, we get seven months, and the credits are kind of the first uh, uh, shot at trying to make the next Homestuck thing. Uh, the Snapchat is real, or was real, Um and the so you could like follow the official uh, Homestuck Snapchat and all of these updates that we see as a video in in the uh, comic and here in the the reader as they've been archived 
Um, those uh, were actually sent to you, and then a few months later, uh, additional updates would come, and these are actually all archived within the reader app itself. Um, there aren't many of them, uh, and they weren't written by Hussey. The uh, additional uh, Snapchat updates were written by Cohen uh, Edenfield. They were the lead writer on Hive Swap Act 1. So, like, basically, you know, uh, uh, the comic ends, uh, Hussey pass- becomes kind of a creative director of the whole enterprise, right? And then uh, these fan creators who basically got promoted to being, like, official producers of the material uh, step in um, and are doing, like, art assets. We have uh, uh, Cohen doing the writing, uh, not only on the Snapchats, but also on the game itself. Uh, and the Snapchats sort of try to continue the story of, like, what life is like on Earthsea, and all of this is eventually uh, rendered as non-canon, and so we don't really have to get into all the stuff that happens, but basically, like, uh, Jane, as, like, the head of Crocker Corp, like, starts amassing political power and uh, is very prejudiced against trolls, and there's some, like, terrorist actions by troll partisans who are... uh, you know, uh, uh, not happy with her policies. Uh, she ends up capturing the remaining Jack Noir. Um, everyone in the Something Awful thread, and this is like one of those notable inflection moments also looking over the historical record. Um, <laughs> everyone in the Something Awful thread is like, they they hate this, right? Because they don't use Snapchat. These are all older people. And so they're like, I'm not installing some new app just so I can follow uh, like this continuation of the Homestuck story, uh, and sort of moreover, uh, and this is a critique that's leveraged there, and it's actually having looked at them, it's a critique that I would agree with. Uh, Snapchat, like Snapchat, works for the credits. I think that's clever and useful. Snapchat mm-hmm. is not particularly good for continuing a story. I I wouldn't be interested in it. Right. Well, it's uh, it, it becomes hard to follow because it sets up this conceit where uh, characters have to constantly be taking pictures of things around them and then writing captions while like they're being attacked by uh, political terrorists. Right. Right. Which like is a thing that unfortunately I uh, I imagine happens uh, in our actual world. Uh, but it also means that like the actual narrative developments in these things are are difficult to follow. But it seems like there was a, a, a decision made internal to what Pumpkin to like use Snapchat to continue the story in kind of a new form. Um, and also just for the record, uh, uh, Shelby Cragg uh, also takes over as like maybe like an art director or something at what Pumpkin. Uh, also, they're uh, uh, involved with the game and everything. So more of uh, the fans promoted to actual producers. And the other thing that is then notable about the thread that I hinted at earlier. Uh, this is one of the ways in which the thread becomes rancid. What, what I said, uh, wait, <laughs> the ultimate audio drop yeah. for any podcast. <laughs> this is the point where the thread becomes rancid. That's no, that's for my, like, uh, that's like for the break in my like dance music. <laughs> this is the point where the thread becomes rancid. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Well, uh, right, but the, uh, remember what I said, uh, how the thread reacted um, when Paradox Space launched, right? And it was like, yeah. oh, these people can't write the voices, this is just fan fiction, it's bad. 
Mm-hmm. All that stuff comes back, um, except it's even more intensely focalized now, right? This doesn't feel like Homestuck. Why isn't Hussey writing this? Um, uh, if these people are doing this and they're also involved with the game, where are the updates on the game? Uh, I haven't even touched on that, uh, but I said it, I think, in the previous episode that so much of the ending discussion actually feels a little bit overshadowed by people having bad feelings about the um, about the Kickstarter. Uh, and so they're like, uh, as uh, the reason the thread, you know, gets so bad is that uh, people stop posting in it after the comic ends. I'm one of them. So a lot of the stuff that I've read for this uh, partisode, it, it's stuff that I had just never read before. And I sort of also crucially stopped going to something awful like uh i just you know my life shifted and i uh just wasn't posting there much anymore um and i know or i have a sense that uh uh in the run-up to like uh trump and everything there was a slight culture shift in something awful where something awful was never sunshine and rainbows um but there was a uh a, a sort of culture of moderation uh, that meant that all of the really nasty stuff got confined to the specific forums that something awful had where you, like you went there to flame people and use slurs. Right. Um, like that was, if you're not familiar with something awful and how it worked, this was how it worked is that, uh, there were, you know, multiple forums. Um, and there were kind of like the forums for like normal people to hang out on and have like actual conversations. And then all of the, uh, antisocial instincts had basically been, uh, corralled into a series of sub forums, um, where all of the awful stuff happened. And, uh, uh, it's, I keep coming back to Bakhtin in this show now, but, uh, 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 it's very Bakhtinian in the sense of like, there was this official culture and then sort of like this, uh, uh, like subversive uh, element that was also technically a part of the official culture because the the people in in the bad forums could come out occasionally when they wanted to and start flaming people in the regular forums and that was seen as kind of like a, a not necessarily a social good but like something natural and right kind of a corrective like oh people in like the comics forum are getting actually to talk about where I posted a lot in the books forum right. Uh, people in the books forum are getting too like worked up over uh, a song of ice and fire. So it's time for the people from the troll forum to come in and just like use a bunch of slurs and like insult people and hurt their feelings for a couple pages before the mods step in and be like, okay guys go back. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So it seems like uh, based on uh, how the tone of the thread changes and I have some sense of like hearing from people who were on something awful and kind of also left at this point um, that overall that that culture of at least like having moderators who would stop that uh, lessened a little bit and so the thread the homestuck thread as it exists I mean first of all by August 2016, there are people posting in the thread saying, like, why are we even here? Why haven't we let this thread die? (laughs) Like, why are people still posting? Because it's just people, there's like a a handful of people who are just posting to complain, to talk about over and over again about how Homestuck, uh, its ending was bad and how overall it sucked. Here are all of the problems with Homestuck. Uh, And then there are people who are here specifically to, like, say, hey, uh, so-and-so on the uh, official What Pumpkin team is tweeting about how scared they are that Trump got elected uh, and, like, what that means for the future of the country. Uh, Aren't they such a baby? 
Like, I, I hope awful things happen to them. Also, why aren't they tweeting about the game? Why are they tweeting so much about politics? But where are the updates on the game? Oh, did you know that this is the person that they're dating? Here's their Twitter. Uh, why aren't they talking about the game? Because they're also on the art team, right? Uh, and then the moment where, like, hey, guys, uh, seems like you're all kind of stalking people. And they were right. 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 This, this, this does sound like serial stalking. Uh-huh. Uh huh. If you were to ask me. Yeah. And uh, they're just like, you know, shut up. Uh, slur. Oh, right. Like uh, it, it, it becomes bad. Uh, and like the thread or is just sort of dedicated to these people uh, uh, simmering in their misery and their unhappiness. And then like directing that at people on the official what pumpkin team uh, and sort of a, a, at some points kind of admitting like, well, Hussey basically disappeared. So I'm just going to sort of take out all of this rage on these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and like, there are also people coming into the thread being like, hey, mods, why haven't you locked this yet? Because this is clearly, like, not good, and the mods are silent. No, there are no mods that come in. Uh, by the end, uh, people are openly talking about that, about how the Homestuck thread is the BSS, which is, um, the, uh, uh comic subform on Something Awful. Uh, it is the BSS bad thread. One word, bad thread. Something Awful, uh, forums, very, uh, uh, typically uh, would have one thread per subforum that was widely acknowledged by everyone who posted in that subforum as being like the worst thread just in terms of like quality of posting. Uh, and this is what people in the Homestuck thread are talking about by, by uh, the end of uh, the reading that I did ahead here, right? Which is right up to the point where just before the epilogues drop, um, people are like, well, this is the BSS bad thread. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's it's um I mean it's really sad, I guess, right? It's it's sad to like have watched all of this and to just sort of see it happen and to frankly see it happening like in line with like the change in culture more broadly with the election of Trump and uh, the ways that our politics have gone over the past 5-6 years. Um but it's a record of it, right? As I said previous part episode, uh we're inscribing ourselves constantly now. Right. Um and yeah, I I, uh, I don't know if you had maybe more to say or, or thoughts about that, but just to say like that's the that is sort of the temperature of what what is going on in the thread like prior to the epilogues dropping. I don't think I have anything to say about it. Yeah. I, I nothing shocking there, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing. Nothing is particularly uh, surprising there. I, I, you know, th- at that point in 2016, forums are dead. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Reddit and Twitter uh, have fundamentally eaten the traditional or the older traditional, quote unquote, the the older media form, right, mm-hmm. of communication with one another. And so, like, in some ways, you're reading like the zombie emanations of a zombie form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know. Um, and so I'm not surprised that, you know, the um, the more disruptive elements have taken over the thing because I, I, you know, I don't get a sense that even the mods and certainly not the owner yeah. at, at that time, they're not invested in in um, cleanly separating those things out before. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, low tax allowed all that stuff, even after Helldump got banned. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was just a serial harassment forum. That's yeah. all it was. Yeah. You know, it's. 
it existed to allow people to in the uh spirit of humor big quotation marks mm-hmm. right uh just stalk people right and a, harass them right a, a direct um, predecessor to uh something like kiwi farms right yes yeah, yeah yeah uh and i think a lot of those style posters moved into there mm-hmm. very clean into that kind of thing very cleanly uh and so uh so yeah anyway so i'm, I'm not shocked Mm. Um, and I guess I'm curious about what they have to say about the epilogues, although it seems like nothing good. Mm. I was actually sort of surprised about how the epilogues go in the thread, but, uh, that's, that's the next, that's the next episode. Mm. Uh, I don't know, some thoughts that I had going back to early 2016, just mm-hmm. like some, uh, dissatisfactions that I want to articulate, not because I think that they're like, uh, critical, but just to highlight uh, uh homestuck was obviously a thing that changed a lot as it was being written as people were uh reading it um over the seven years that it was being told so lots of themes were dropped uh things that seemed like they were important turned out not to be important and whatever right that's what happens <laughs> like all of them <laughs> right well that's and that's a big that's a big uh uh sort of genre of conversation post ending too is like here's all the things that were set up as important that never came through right like remember when uh people entered the game for the first time and it was constantly talking about the ultimate riddle and then we just never talked about <laughs> that again like what the hell was the ultimate riddle well, um, I do like that they all went and, like, found their, I forget what they're called, like, their elder gods or whatever. Yeah. It just happened off screen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for basically everyone. Mm-hmm. That's funny to me. That, that setup is such a massive thing that it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, that that's kind of, like, one genre of conversation. But um, uh, as is typical, I'm, I'm always having, like, thoughts about Homestuck that I sometimes don't see reflected in fan conversations. Uh, and one of the things that was really noticeable to me over the seven year run was the way that, uh, at least as I was picking it up, um, you know, in maybe the first half Homestuck was set up to make some sort of maybe criticism or critique of Spurb the game, uh, that gets dropped out. And I think that this is really right. And like, I think this is really notable in the way that, uh, Rose's arc moves, um, because, uh, and, you know, like, the full disclosure here is, like, I am disappointed, actually, in the way that uh, this plays out. Not that I'm disappointed in the fact that she ends up with Kanaya and is, you know, happy raising all these little uh, uh, troll grubs or whatever. But, um, you know, the, the game is introduced, and it's uh, it's this obscure, obtuse thing that makes these stupid demands of you. Uh, and also, like in in the in the deal, like uh, devours your entire life, right? It it uh, erases your origins, right? It turns out the game is the thing that created you, even though you thought your life was something else. Um, and it also like destroys the entire world that you knew to boot. Um, uh, so it seemed to me that like, oh yeah, this is maybe not good. <laughs> Like, uh, uh, like that this game, uh, this universe creation engine, uh, just kind of blithely operates by like mowing down entire civilizations, like as a matter of course, and it's sort of this unthinking technological instrument. Uh, and this is the way that Rose kind of reacts to it, right? Rose, uh, blows up her gate. She doesn't want to play by the game's rules. She wants to like break the game or do something with it, uh, and then uh, she goes god tier, embraces her class fully, which is a thing that the game created for her, and she gets a girlfriend. 
Right. And it just kind of, and so like that scene at the ending where it's like her and Kanaya standing on that hill, looking up at the thanks for playing message that is hovering eternally in the sky. Mm-hmm. That's just real disappointing to me. Right. Like Rose at the beginning versus Rose at the end in that particular aspect. But again, the ending is fine. It's just like thematically, I am more satisfied or more interested in something that was going to um, uh, challenge the game and kind of its premises rather than what happens by the end of this comic, which is like you can't argue with the game. The game exists and uh, there's nothing that can be done about it. Yeah, the the game has a voice and a cruelty in the first like three acts, right? Where you you are constantly it's making you do a bunch of arbitrary shit that you probably don't want to do, and it's trickstery and rude or whatever. But as the comic begins to offload that kind of negative behavior onto actual characters, the game just gets to be the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I wonder how much of that was purposeful and how much of that was like. This is a drop thread for so long, and the, you know, Act 6 so cleanly puts the narrative thrust behind Caliborn and Calliope mm-hmm. that it would be really hard to recover all that initial stuff. And and what's kind of funny, I guess, behind that is that there's still just as much, like, concern about big structural nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. Just in the first half of the comic, it's in, it's the game. You know, it's suburb mm-hmm. that is the big structural nonsense. In the second half of the comic, it's the the big mythopoetic story of the cherubs. Um, and it's interesting, too, that even in the very end here, we still get a bunch of weird, like, rug pulls that are purposeful rug pulls. Like, it's so clear that the um, dueling dog, you know, sword mm-hmm. devils, whatever those are called. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's so clear that they are set up as parallels with the cherub uh, replication story. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the, the white and the black that that are equally matched and duel one another, and one comes out on top, uh, and, you know, that's what sets up the creation of the cherubs. And then that is just obliterated by, like, happy dog times or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jade is so nice to them mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, it depowers the whole operation. Right. Well, until uh, until PM, like, punches her in the face and knocks her out. Right. Right. That's what I always thought was interesting there is that there's a, a way that Jade is introduced as like, oh, right, like uh, if we're thinking of this as like structural or elemental, right, there are two opposing forces, right, a kind of uh, mm-hmm. a fundamental dualism. And these two things are in tension with one another. And Jade enters as the mediating force, as the one who, because uh, they're like trying to fight each other and she keeps like zapping in between them and she's treating it like she's playing with two dogs. Uh, and, right. and then, yeah, and I wouldn't even call it a median force. I would call it in, an impediment to the completion of the thing. Mm, mm-hmm. Right. Like that situation needs to be completed and it has to be completed by one of them destroying the other. And Jade's intervention prevents them from killing each other, mm-hmm. but doesn't prevent conflict from happening. But, but I mean, that's how I read that whole scene is like, she's not just mediating, right? Uh, she's not looking there. There is no way in that scene for jade to produce an outcome that is equitable for all right it's impossible Mm -hmm. structurally Mm -hmm. and so then therefore jade has to be taken out of the scenario in order for an unequitable outcome to happen but guess what it's still equitable in the end somehow right (laughs) with that little jack noir with his little goofy face (laughs) he's goofy faced now 
Yeah, he's he's back to like normal Jack Noir, and that like that little like look on his face when he and uh, Miss Paint make eye contact. That like, right. uh. he goes, whoa, whoa, <laughs> it's a me, a Jack Noir. Right. Well, and you know the the other thing, and I think it's like latent there in how you articulated the situation. But the other thing that this like seems to represent to me, right, is like this is Hussey's position in the fandom of like trying to like manage all of these reader expectations and ultimately being incapable of doing something that is not going to like render some uh, uh, element of the fandom uh, disappointed or unhappy, right? Or like, uh, uh, or with another element of the fandom being able to say like, quote unquote, we won. Uh you said many, many yeah. partisodes ago that there's this thing in Homestuck where um, a lot of Hussey's commentary about like authorship and how stories are written and so on and like what things mean uh, seem calibrated to uh, try to make it seem like uh, everybody can be right. 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 Uh, but that is also ultimately fundamentally uh, something you can't do. Like it's a it's a situation that is very hard to achieve. And were you capable of achieving it, it might not be sustainable. And so uh, this is one of the reasons I think, you know, why the comic we see the vis a vis the complaint about there's no talking anymore. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Like the layers of mediation are being peeled back like the end of that uh, big, long fight sequence has the music like becoming distortion it has the color fading out of the image and the screen appears to freeze right the the whole thing the whole conceit of homestuck is that it's a story in a screen uh and the screen stops working and sort of the framing device disappears right the normal panel size and so the the silent panels that we see after that uh, that have no dialogue in them between kind of the the end of act six and the beginning of act seven those are huge Right. right. Like we, we see right. it, it like becomes um, about purely visuality. Uh, and then uh, the the final ending of everyone going off and kind of to this new universe uh, where we get hints. Right. Just sort of like the barest hints. Carcat uh, and Jade and Dave are hanging out and having a picnic together. Right. Uh, but no one's talking. We don't really know what their situation is. Uh, we don't really know a whole lot of specifics about what's going on, but those are things that we can imagine. Uh, uh, the characters become like ideational in that way, uh, where it's just like, here are just some like gestures at what could be happening. Uh, but to say too much, uh, it would be disappointing, right? Uh, to continue this story past this point, uh, just sets us up to make more people upset. Right. Right. Notably, of course, within the, uh, first couple days after the whole comic ends hussey is putting up a news post where they say that they have an idea about some form of epilogue and so everyone's don't do it yeah don't don't do it andrew <laughs> uh don't go back yeah leave it alone so yeah um and that's, I mean, that's kind of Homestuck. Uh, very notably, I think, if we're going to think about the never-ending story here, which, uh, uh, by the way, uh, you can hear more about uh, if you go to patreon.com slash rangetouch, uh, where you can support us uh, on this show, Homestuck Made This World, and all sorts of other shows that we do, like just King Things, where we read the books of Stephen King in publication order and have very similar conversations to what uh, is going on kind of here. Uh, but also uh, Game Studies Study Buddies, where we read through texts of academic game studies and talk about questions of like technology and narrative and play, uh, which are also very informative to all of the discussions we've had here on Homestuck Made This World. Uh, 
you can support us in that effort. Uh, and in return for that monetary support, you get bonus episodes uh, for Homestuck Made This World, bonus episodes on the never-ending story, on Lost, uh, fan videos, right? Fan fic. Um, thinking about the broader influences on this comic and how uh, all of that's played out. Um, uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we only, you know, we are totally self-supported. We have no advertising and we only advertise ourselves on our own shows or occasionally other shows when we guest. Uh, the other thing that you can do then is like tell people about this show and about the shows that we do. Uh, that would be extremely helpful. We would love that. And you can also write reviews of us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you give us a five-star review on Apple podcasts, that is also funny. There is a chance that Cameron will read it on air as he's going to right now. From Fofo, the Swiss rapper, they made me a homestuck knower. Ever read this before? I don't think so. One of my best friends was a notable homestuck voice actress back in the day. In spite of this, I was determined to learn absolutely nothing about <laughs> homestuck at any point. When my friends discussed the phenomenon, I would contentedly disassociate all homestuck. <laughs> references flew blissfully over my head, and I threw that away for this podcast. So far, I think it was worth it. <laughs> So far. <laughs> so far, you never know. Yeah. You might be proven wrong. That's what I got. Well, thank you, Fofo. Uh, yeah, so uh, if you leave us those nice reviews, um, you may hear them. Uh, you'll maybe hear them going forward because maybe this is this is the time to mention it. The bonus episode that is dropping today as you're listening to this uh, is an extended Q&A with me and Cameron. People have written in questions, their homestuck questions about everything up to the epilogues. Um, and we will be answering them. Uh, and we're also going to be taking some class spec quizzes to see, you know, which moons we, we come from and what our, what our aspects are and, and all that stuff. I think it'll be a fun time. Um, but, uh, the other thing to, to mention, because there was talk early on amongst us of doing this as it's a, as a bonus episode, but, uh, we've decided that it would work better as kind of our interim show, uh, a kind of lighter lift for both of us as we, uh, prepare for whatever the next big show is going to be, uh, this summer. Um, we are going to be doing an Undertale LP, uh, because, I mean, you're going to talk about Homestuck made this world. You got to talk about how it made Undertale. And there are still like there are people who listen to this show who did not really know that uh, Homestuck had anything to do with Undertale, which is incredible to me. Like there are people well, Undertale's in the comic. Yeah, right. Like that's to bring it back to actual discussion. Like uh, Dave Petta gets uh, marked as a Toby Fox uh, insert, right? Because when Dave Petta is fighting uh, Lord English, it becomes an Undertale battle. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is like a nice little thing. And as as several people say in the thread after they are disappointing, disappointed by the ending, they say, well, at least we got Undertale out of this. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be doing an Undertale LP. Cameron and I, uh, I've played it before. Cameron hasn't. Um, we're not going to be doing it's not going to be as a. Uh, 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 granular, um, because I was not as much a part of the Undertale fandom and anything like that, but uh, we are going to be looking at Undertale uh, from the perspective of a thing in conversation with Homestuck and uh, in conversation with larger questions of like character and narrative and fandom, um, as we've discussed on this show. That's going to be our primary lens as we, we work through all of that, and I uh, think it'll be a fun time. I like Undertale. Uh, I think it's a... a um, a fun little game, and there's some cool stuff in there, and uh, uh, I hope you all enjoy it as well. 
You gotta hope. Gotta hope. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't enjoy it, I don't need to hear about it. <laughs> no, uh, keep it to yourself. Uh, but uh, working back around to the initial intertext that kicked this all off, the never-ending story, um, which you can hear more about if you support us on Patreon and get that bonus episode. But structurally, the never-ending story is uh, really uh, interesting when you hold it up next to Homestuck, uh, because the way that is structured is that like the first half is Bastion reading the book, the never-ending story. He gets pulled into the story in the middle. And then the last half, which is like, you know, equally as long, uh, is the story of him staying in that narrative, like grasping for power uh, and then being hoisted. Right. Like it becomes this moral lesson, uh, uh, as you said, I think, in a previous part episode that like uh, narrative is a terror that like to commit yourself to the narrative and to being the hero of the narrative um, ultimately is like harmful for you uh, in terms of being like a human person. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, what I think is really interesting about Homestuck when we kind of like compare these things structurally is that Homestuck is also a work that is uh, divided in that way, right? It's 8,000 pages long. The first 4,000 pages, uh, which include like all of the actual reader commands and everything, um, build up to this point where Lord English shows up. Lord English, of course, is ultimately figured as a kind of uh, a reader insert character, um, who takes on the position of the author, uh, and then Act Six, everything from Act Six onward is like equally as long and is sort of dealing with similar things. Um, but the other kind of like structural uh, uh, note that I think is kind of very very uh, cool that is not present in the Neverending Story is that when you look at the bifurcated structure of Homestuck in this way, you can also see the two halves as reflections. Um, which is, uh, to say that, like, we started this story where, uh, there's a little boy standing in his bedroom and he is going to be commanded by you. Um, and this results in things that we've talked about in previous partisodes about, uh, uh, people feeling like they have some sort of, uh, will or force that they can exert over the story. Uh, that this raises all these questions in the readership of like who controls this story, whose desires and demands are being met or reflected and so Mm -hmm. on and so forth. And then the ultimate villain, you know, reflected across the story from that point is a shitty little boy who wants to insert himself into the story and grow to ultimate power. Uh, And so if you like line up, right, if you if you look at the two halves of Homestuck as kind of reflections, the moment when Caliborn enters the story is also the moment when like John uh, starts being kind of shitty to his friends. Um, This is when he like gives uh, Jade shit about being a furry, for instance. Mm. Right. So there is something I think really uh, uh, clever and interesting happening. It's very, very lightly happening. Right. But um, on this broad metal level, we've got uh, uh, John versus Caliborn, which, of course, has been uh, the animating uh, dyad uh, secretly for my entire argument, as the previous partisode, I think, uh, uh, revealed. which is all to say, uh, thank you for listening to my internet radio program, uh, where I got to like dish out my awesome homestuck opinions that I'm sure you all love. Uh, but I have one more that's kind of like a big structural thing that I want to kind of unload. Um, and this is kind of like more of a meta read. Before you uh, unload all over yeah. everything, mm-hmm. uh, they did they did my boy dirty. Okay, which boy? All of my beautiful darling boys—they've <laughs> all been done dirty. No, they did. Let's talk. Let's talk about the 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 boy who was done dirty, and then the boy who got everything you always wanted. Okay, okay. The number one, 
Gamesy. Done dirty. Done dirty. Mm-hmm. Gamesy doesn't get to live a cool life. Mm-hmm. He didn't get to live in the the dream bubbles forever mm-hmm. in the perfect town <laughs> for five thousand years. Yeah. He got he got to live in refrigerator his whole life and die there. I well, guess he's immortal. I don't well, know. I don't think you can kill him. Yeah, he's got evil clown power. That's a question that's actually that people have about uh, uh, the ending. It's like, well, so all the god tier characters are they still immortal? Like, is like Dave going to have to deal with the fact that Carcat's going to die? <laughs> like. <laughs> Also, uh, where's Terezi? Uh, that's one of the ways in which the credits oh, yeah. uh, answer answer questions that are asked, right? Because Terezi does not show up uh, on Earth C in that final animation. Uh, oh, interesting. But anyway, back to back to uh, your desire for a Gamzy redemption arc. I don't need a Gamzy redemption arc. I just want to know what happened to my boy. <laughs> he just he disappeared forever. In that <laughs> we saw him in the fridge during the fight scene. Mm-hmm. And then he get, get disappears forever. Yeah. I mean, I think that's partly why some people are like, oh, yeah, he gets sucked to, like, far future Earth in the dead session with Caliborn. And he, like, gets out of that fridge and Caliborn mows him down multiple times with a machine gun. <laughs> right. I get Yeah. Is the fridge shown in that original scene uh, where he gets mowed down to the machine gun? Nope, I don't think so. It is not. Okay. I don't remember it, but it's also been a while. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's disappointing, I would say, broadly, mm-hmm. uh, you know. My guy. But then the mayor gets everything he ever wanted. He becomes the ultimate mayor. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and the whole world looks like tin cans. Yes, he creates Can Town, finally. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> what a what a great f- uh, finale. <laughs> a plus, no notes. Everyone in the thread is also very happy about that. They're like, ah, oh, Can Town. I'm so glad that this happened. <laughs> you know, yeah, and also... Uh, where where's my look i i know that people want to talk to these characters and i know that people want to have their visual novel route based story you know where they talk to everybody and learn about them and have some sort of adventure blah 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 i don't mm-hmm. i want cantown city builder <laughs> you are the mayor oh my god you have to build the optimal cantown for all these little homestuck characters that all have their weird little desires and they want to be next to each other it's kind of like uh, the dark cloud City builder, mm-hmm. you know, strategy layer, uh, or or uh, Nino Kuni two. Mm-hmm. I want that. Give me that. That would be good. Oh man. I, yeah, I could I could not care less about talking to these people, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> may, be being the mayor, playing as the mayor, right? Oh man, he doesn't talk, uh-huh. so you know it's easy to to design. Oh man, yes, you get to do just like little gestures and things in response to th- in response to like questions and stuff. Oh, that would be so. Good. Yeah, thumbs up, thumbs down, uh-huh. and then you know, car cats your little advisor, and he says, "You'll never remove the the maple syrup refinery." <laughs> You'll regret this. Ah! Right. And like on Earth C, because uh, uh, all of these characters are like ectobiologically created from the characters that we already know, they they have all of the same like they have versions of the same like weird foibles and ticks. So like uh, in the same way that John has this like elemental aversion to Betty Crocker, there's like someone who doesn't like maple syrup. And so you can't like put their house right. too close to the maple syrup refinery or they'll be too unhappy. Right. And like every X turns or every X amount of time, every hour, ectobiology poops out more people that you got to be responsible for. Mm-hmm. And they all have proc gen stats associated with them. Mm-hmm. It's built for gaming. Right. And like trolls. The are, whole thing is built for gaming. Right. Trolls are there too and they're nocturnal. So they actually require like slightly different right. civic spaces. And right. yeah, it designs itself. <sighs> Why? I don't want to talk to. 
Carcat's dad or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. The the consorts are there, uh all the little like uh uh reptile animals from from the game and like they require mm-hmm. uh uh like <laughs> bullshit to stand around and say like you need to give them things to do. Mushroom yeah, they farms. run all the they run all the stuff. <laughs> Just come on. Come on. Give me the thing I want. Mm-hmm. I'm the fan. Right. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about, which we have not really mentioned at all, is the, the like, 16-minute strife scene. Oh, yeah. We didn't really talk about it. They're really giving us what we want. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of everyone's always looking for the next strife. Well, Hussey gave it to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some funny jokes in there. I th- This is one of the better... If if the comic had ended there and it had been like, thanks for playing, <laughs> <laughs> they all fought each other, I, that would have been satisfying to me. Yeah. I mean, I guess the whole thing is satisfying. I'm not trying to say it's not, but they, like, I just think the, you know, like the stuff, like when uh, Von Salamancer shows up uh-huh. and starts like all over everybody. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Casey gets to bring their skeleton army in. That is good. That's a good payoff. Yeah. There's. Uh, hold on. I got. I gotta get my notebook. I left it on the ground. Okay. As one does. I haven't needed it yet. Here I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, when uh, Rose summons Zazerpan uh-huh. to, like, spin all over and yell. Mm-hmm. That's funny. That's cool. Did you catch the part of that battle where, um, uh, like, the three god-tier characters are fighting the Condess, and uh, in the background, Kanaya just steps away and, like, sits down and pulls out a book and starts reading? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I did. There are several moments where characters just uh, go and do a different thing mm-hmm. while it's occurring, which is good. Um, I like when Dave killed Dirt mm-hmm. and then grabbed his head. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to smooch it. <laughs> well, that's the last yeah. time someone had their head cut off. Someone smooched yeah, that's, it, and that's, I thought, that's, that's where are we going here? Yeah. What's, what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> this seems like a big swerve for Homestuck. <laughs> but uh, it did. Not, thankfully, it did not occur. Can you imagine? Oh my god! If that had just been dropped in there, just a little <laughs> <laughs> kissing my bro to resurrect him. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No. It's uh. I I thought this was fun. Interesting because, uh, and I mentioned this in the previous part episode that um, uh, Hussey had said, "Well, uh, Problem Sleuth was a game, and it will end like a game. Homestuck is a story, and it will end like a story. And that just turns out not to be true, because Homestuck ends in a giant, very video game-like, like, brawler, uh, uh, extended fight cutscene. Mm-hmm. Right? It, well, the, and an anime. Right. I guess, I guess an uh, anime is a type of story, and so in that way, it was really the truth. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't, it's, yeah, that's the thing, it's like, you thought it ended like a video game, but actually, oh, I also like that, uh, that, you know, a little nice little detail that, um, Lord English's fight set is like half Zangief mm-hmm. uh, from Street Fighter, I, it's really fun to like watch the brawl animations and be like, oh yeah, they built him like that, mm-hmm. like the burly guy from the, the thing. Uh, another thing that happened before that I thought was interesting, before you make your big old meta move and whip your shirt off again or something, uh-huh. is uh, it, it's fascinating that as a character, Calliope, even in the final instances of speaking as a character, cannot stop talking about class specs. Mm-hmm. Like, like, really and truly, she becomes the, like, mouthpiece for class spec analysis. Mm-hmm. Because there's all that stuff that happens at the end where it's like, 
uh, in that conversation with her and Jade, where they're like talking about like what is the nature of the space player, mm-hmm. like f- full fact based analysis. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and again, it's like even these final moments of like what I would say are uh, loosey goosey storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is not highly structural. It's not really abiding by many of the rules, quote unquote. You know, as we're talking about, the ambiguity of the ending is such that that it's hard to see where it came from beforehand. And I'm and please do not do the full read for me in any form. Don't tweet at me. Don't tell me on the Discord. I understand that literally anything in this comic can be justified by what came before. Mm-hmm. That is, it, it, it is a broad scale object that operates on that way on purpose. I think we have, we have said that many, many times and yet it still keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my stairs is, is, is when I say something like this on the show and then someone comes and does the thing that uh, the, the comic is built to do. I get it. I understand. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need to explain to me again, but uh, it, it is interesting that that the um, through the mouthpiece of Calliope, class specs are still the dominant form of reading the story. Mm-hmm. But for Caliborn, there's not really a way of reading the story. Mm-hmm. You know, here, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the, in the last kind of pieces, we don't really get another. We don't. We get a final gesture toward the validity of class spec analysis, Mm -hmm. but we do not get a final gesture toward other forms of reading, Mm -hmm. I guess is what I'm saying, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, it, 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 I could understand how someone would get to the end of this and go, Oh yeah, class specs are the way you have to do it because that's the last person who gets to speak. You know, there, there's all kinds of stuff in communication theory, um, uh, you know, going back, uh, pretty far in like rhetoric and speech that the final person who gets to speak has an advantage. Mm -hmm. It's actually uh, it's you know, actually uh, Dirk is the last person. Maybe it's Dave is the last person that gets to speak. No, oh, yeah, I, I don't mean in that. I, I don't mean literally. Oh, okay. gets to speak. I mean in terms of like uh, who reads the comic right. last. Oh, oh, right. right. Like, which which uh, right. reader insert character gets kind of the last right. reader insert right. move. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I think I was unclear mm-hmm. there. Yeah, what what is the last emanation of someone who tells us what we're supposed to or how we're supposed to read the comic? Mm-hmm. And it's Calliope. Right. When, when in, you know, we've had, what, I don't know, 15 characters who have told us how to read the comic? Mm-hmm. And so that's all to say. I can totally see how you would come to the end and go like, well, yeah, class spec must be the thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that that's the final, really the last speech that has anything to do with, like, the broader structure of the comic that happens. It's Calliope. Yeah. Yeah. But who we have been given a lot of context for earlier that... Calliope is a type of fan, mm-hmm. and just because you're the type of fan who gets the last instance to speak doesn't mean you're right. You know, the person who makes the last uh, forum thread post <laughs> is not correct. Mm-hmm. They're just the last person who posted. Right. Yeah, and I mean, people in our Discord were talking about how they sort of bristle a little bit about the way that the space aspect is talked about here, because, yeah, Alt-Calliope is like, I don't know, I'm a space player. This just means I've got to be, like, passive forever until I get to, you know, do my little magic thing after waiting a trillion eternities and do the thing I'm supposed to do, and that's it. And that's, like, what you have to look forward to, Jade. Um, oh, yeah, because that's the kind of, uh, I think, who in the Discord, I forget who was talking about that, mm-hmm. but uh, that was their kind of unhappiness with the way that jade is treated for all of act six i guess or most of act six right and in the discussion that was had is like it's you know it's uh intentionally unclear as to whether like oh okay is this like the the plan and program for space players 
And so the characters are written like this, or is this like the space aspect being written so that it papers over like narrative uh, choices, which is like Jade is too overpowered. Uh, I'm going to make her a sleeper mind controlled. <laughs> right, right. Uh, like Jade is a character who needs to be removed from situations because her being like in in command of her faculties and like on the side of good poses so many problems for like, well, why doesn't Jade just end the story now? <laughs> right. 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 Uh, so, you know, that's sort of the, the conversation that was happening there. And that's, uh, you know, part of one of the reasons why uh, Rose just unproblematically being like, well, I'm a God tier seer of light now. Whereas before she was so set against the game, uh, you know, is disappointing to me. Like the way that the, uh, that stuff, um, uh, is allowed to kind of take over other instances or earlier versions of the characters as the story seems to change direction to be more invested in using the class specs in a way, in an active way where it maybe wasn't going to do that before, or at least, uh, built up some runway that it didn't realize it was building before it decided to uh, stop, start using the class specs in the way that it did. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. you want to go, you want to come out here with your uh, sledgehammer of uh, analysis here? Oh yeah. Well, so you're, you're teeing us up. <laughs> you say that uh, Calliope is the last character who gets us uh, uh, some sort of reader insert stuff. Um, but what if that's not the case? What if what if there's something else going on here? Uh, and I think this requires us to revisit the issue of Caliborn and Lord English. So how this comic ends, of course, is uh, Caliborn uh, smashing up his god tier clock. Uh, they're they're thereby, uh, you know, sort of dispensing with the rules of the game, becoming uh, infinitely powerful, but also becoming Lord English. And one of the uh, observations that's made about Lord English as a character is that he doesn't really do anything or rather like he's not really a character in the way that we talked about Gamzee being rendered a plot device. Um, Lord English is like one step below that. Like he's, he's even more of a plot device because he doesn't speak, uh, just shows up like, you know, kills things or blows things up, but has like no interiority and no real apparent drive other than to be the force of destruction. Um, mm -hmm. uh, which of course is like character logically like uh, uh, apposite for Caliborn and kind of like his stated uh, uh, stance through the story and everything. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the other thing that I think is really interesting about that ending moment where Caliborn is breaking that clock and like all the, the multicolored magics are shooting out into his body and he's like screaming his mm -hmm. eyes lighting up and everything. All those horse magics. Yeah. Uh, th that is interesting to me because it, it does, if we put this in conversation with something like the never ending story, um, we see uh, like the never ending story. One of its kind of themes or like one of the things that it tried to warn the reader about is pursuit of power. Right. Bastion uh, trying to take over the place of uh, the childlike empress. And when he has that uh, 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 when Atreyu talks with Gamork. Right. Gamork being the the evil wolf man uh, who explicitly says, like, I am a man who serves power and like that. This is what it's done to me. Um this idea of like serving power being a kind of dehumanizing force. Uh, so we can read like the, the moralistic uh, uh, inflection of Caliborn's thing here, right? Is that he gives himself over to kind of uh, these inhuman forces of universe creation. 
right? If if Spurb is like this uh, uh, unthinking technology that's just like wiping out uh, civilizations or whatever, Caliborn is like perfectly fine with being a, a sort of embodiment of that. Because that's the other thing that's worth noting, right? Is that Spurb as it exists, like Lord English and Caliborn are not accidents. They are built mm-hmm. into the fabric of it, right? They allow him to exist. Uh, and in kind of like a, you know, one of the other reasons I find the um, way that the game is sort of validated in the end a little disappointing is that uh, I can see how we can read Caliborn's situation as being um, a bit of a punishment, right? Uh, uh, when uh, Doc Scratch says that his master has been sanctioned by Paradox Space, as I pointed out, sanctioned is an auto antonym. It means both uh, one thing and the opposite of that thing. Sanctioned means uh, allowed, uh, but it also means like punished. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Caliborn is both allowed. You can receive sanctions, right? And I can sanction your actions, right? So, yeah, yeah Caliborn is both allowed and punished, and sort of like in in the broader kind of like meta question of Spurb, it's like, well, do am I happy with the idea that like there's a engine that creates universes and it runs on uh not just like you know this sort of cruelty of the that it subjects the players to but that eventually it's going to create a person who must be made to like bearer like hold all of that cruelty within them right that that cruelty must uh, uh eventually be embodied and then that embodied person must be like forced to be trapped in in like this nightmare loop of uh as we talked about uh, during Michael's big reveal, right? Being uh, stuck in this story forever, Caliborn as the infinitely looping reader. Uh, so this is all to all the, like, a bit of scaffolding to present a, a kind of perspective on um, Caliborn, Lord English, and kind of uh, what it means to read Homestuck. Uh, and I have done all of my other work in previous partisodes, like outlining my own, uh, relationship with Caliborn, uh, and my read on that character and, uh, the, uh, basically biases that I bring to bear as someone who is interested in particular questions about readership, uh, how are communities of practice formed? How do texts teach you to read them? Uh, what are kind of the stakes there? Um, my ultimate interpretation of Homestuck is obviously informed by these specific aspects of me and my reading experience and uh, should not be taken as some sort of like utterly authoritative like reading of what Homestuck is or what it means or what it does, right? But more like here is a way of looking at this object. You can take it or leave it or do what you want with it. Uh, uh, but this is uh, how Homestuck ultimately ends up being interesting or useful for me. So allow me to present this idea uh, that Lord English, as this version of Caliborn who has been maybe evacuated of his as his true uh, perspective or individuality, right? He's been rendered a pure instrument of Spurb and thereby a kind of instrument of the narrative. Um, Lord English is the reader. And I don't just mean me. I don't just mean like Michael, who uh, had this weird relationship with Caliborn, grows up and goes back to the story and like starts stomping around. I mean, every reader is Lord English, right? Uh, Think about uh, what I said back when he was first revealed and how the interior of his coat has like the the iconic like blue screen. Uh, uh, Lord English, uh, when he speaks in the one, you know, scene that he gets to speak, has this kind of total command of the frame of the website, which is kind of the ultimate like frame and border of Homestuck as a media property or as like a, an object that you're reading. Um 
he also has these eyes that are like filled with colors, right? All of the characters in Homestuck are sort of noted as uh, uh, having their own colors that they type in, right? And these, uh, there are all these like homologies set up where like, you know, John types in blue and has blue eyes. Rose types in uh, sort of purple and has purple eyes. Um, so Lord English, as this kind of uh, 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 subjectless uh presence in the story uh, can be understood as uh, maybe an effect of readership, right? The thing that terrorizes these characters that makes the story go is the person who is like moving through screen by screen, scene by scene, observing it all, right? All of that stuff is being routed through them. In this instance, I think Caliborn, who of course, you know, destroys his clock, uh, can be read as kind of an allegory of the reader who uh, desires and allows himself to become trapped in the story, to become that constant re-reader. Um, jumping back into Act 5, this is from page 2092. This is uh, when the uh, server that uh, is floating in the uh, outer ring uh, where the Lord English code is running, uh, is, is revealed. And here is what the narration says, <clears throat> quote, When executed, the program will summon an indestructible demon into the recently voided universe. The monstrous being with the power to travel through time is inconvenienced very little by his arrival upon the great undoing. He has the entire cadaver of the expired universe to pick apart at his whim, from its birth through its swelling maturity and tapering decay. In a reality he is known to have marked for predation, he will go about assembling followers through various epochs, even going as as far as personally establishing the parameters for his future summoning. The demon is already here. Uh, Caliborn ends this story at his moment of kind of great ascent, right? Uh, the, the voided universe is the story that has ended, right? He, he gets his high point uh, at the very ending when all of the other characters escape. However, uh, we can take Homestuck's kind of meta stuff and work this outward. When we understand, if we read this as a riddle, it is the reader who enters a story at its end, once it has been finished, that is to say, and then proceeds immediately to travel back to the beginning and begins reading. And in the process of reading, you form an interpretation. Uh... In this way, I think we can understand the time loops that Lord English uses to justify his own existence as something comparable to the way that diverse readers um, will have uh, fairly arbitrary, which is not to say unimportant, but arbitrary in the sense of like random or like, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, differentiated uh, focus on particular aspects uh, of the story, particular pieces of evidence, particular thematic through lines. When you are reading a story and you're developing an interpretation of it in your head, there are things that you take notice of. And because you're an individual person, you know, you are finite and you are located in time and you have particular interests and experiences and uh, knowledge spaces, there are specific things that you notice, specific things that strike you as important, or specific things that you hope or be, hope uh, turn out to be true, and those influence the way that you read the story and then the interpretation that you try to make. Uh, so uh, in reading, right, you travel back, you take a story that is done, that is dead. Think here of uh, what I have talked about uh, with like live performance, Homestuck as it's being written versus Homestuck as a serial archive. You travel back to the beginning, uh, you go through, and you form this interpretation based on kind of your, uh, what jumps out to you, what seems important, 
Um, what are kind of your desires and inclinations with regard to the story and what it's doing? Uh, Lord English and Caliborn as characters uh, usurp the figure of the author by way of uh, this sort of allegory for interpretation, and thus uh, they also usurp authority uh, that comes with it, right? They make hard claims to narrative meaning and what is reality that are exclusive to other possibilities. Uh, that's the alpha timeline, right? The story that means one thing and what it means is what this one person says. Now, the charitable reading here is that Homestuck is encouraging you not to be a jerk about your claims for stories, right? It, it works for this allegory uh, in, in, in when it's finished, right? Not when it's running, but I think when it's finished, it works as an allegory uh, for kind of the solitary uh, reader going through the story, coming up with their ideas, and then entering into this world uh, of like, you know, calliope-like fandom, uh, where there's a, a community for collaborative interpretation of like, hey, did you notice this? Hey, did you think about this? Here are some stuff uh, that I've been thinking about. What do you think about it? Um, uh, you know, that's the, the, I think, the charitable and positive reading. Um, but I also think that there's a problem embedded here, right? And this is not like, oh, Homestuck's bad kind of problem, but like, notice that there's a, a kind of, in the same way that Caliborn is a kind of problem interior to the structure of Spurb, there's a problem maybe to this um, uh, way of reading being figured. Uh, there are elements here that also uh, mirror other types of internet fan discourse. And we've talked about this before, that like Homestuck is constantly mirroring uh, things fandoms do, uh, like taking fandom behaviors and putting those things into the story, right? Making sort of these loops about it. Um, so uh, it also, all the stuff that I described about uh, Caliborn and kind of um, this figure of the uh, reader, author, interpreter, um, who makes exclusive claims, uh, fits very well into a kind of fan situation where the very act of enunciating an interpretation of events in a story uh, that does not account for a particular piece of evidence or a particular perspective uh, becomes grounds for that person being corrected and debated, right? There's a deep skepticism in Homestuck, I think, building off of the never-ending story, about authorship and authority itself, right? The, the ultimate, like, Ultimately, Homestuck says the only person who wants to inhabit the position of the author is the biggest asshole. Um, and Hussey plays into this with uh, kind of their own uh, self-abnegating uh, responses to questions. Well, it seems like this or uh, this, that and the other. Right. Uh, and the ways that the fandom has picked up on this is when, uh, you know, you read Hussey's commentary and people say to us, well, like, why are you even listening to Hussey and taking them seriously? Uh, because they're full mm -hmm. of shit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. And so uh, that's, you know, Homestuck, I think, is like skeptical of authority and is trying to maybe teach you to be skeptical of authority uh, or like authoritative readings or sort of unitary or unilateral readings. The problem is Homestuck as an object is also so heterogeneous, right? So huge, expansive and so tonally diverse and quite deliberate in building its ambiguity and its trap doors in, right? Ambiguity being your, ter your term, trap doors being mine. Um mm -hmm. That any point of this narrative can be argued forever. Uh, almost everything in this comic has some like potential piece of evidence to undermine uh, whatever interpretation you want to make about it. And this is to say nothing of the fact that like some interpretations just by necessity exclude others. And that's not unique to Homestuck. That's unique to textual objects. That's unique to interpretation, right? Like sometimes you read Hamlet as being about one thing and sometimes you read it as being about another, but... The two readings don't really sit well together, right? That's that's reading. 
But Homestuck thematizes and operationalizes these elements of fiction and interpretation in ways that are ultimately poised to generate discourse within networked communication environments, uh, and accidentally or not, I think, uh, lead to really tense relationships within the reading community. So... Uh, this is all a way of saying that, like, you know, you can look at Lord English as like a, a, a warning, which is uh, uh, it's in a very confused warning. But the warning is stop reading Homestuck. Right. Don't let this thing like take you over. Uh, and that's tricky because, as we've talked about before, one of the other things that Homestuck does is say, hey, reread me, read me again, go back and reread me. Uh, figure out what you missed. Uh, so there's a real, like, opposing tension here in just, like, the very structure of the object. Uh, and so in this way, I understand what's going on with Calliope there at the end when when uh, that, uh, like, black hole starts just, like, absorbing the entire arena of the story thus far, right? Uh, is that um, her victory uh, is ultimately like a consumption and obliteration of Homestuck itself, right? There's there's like this way as like let Homestuck dissipate, let something else like take this uh, all of this stuff that's been brought together by this story, um, and let that be the fuel for something else. Let it be used up. Let it, uh, you know, we don't just want like repetitions of Homestuck forever. We don't just want repetitious fan works. Uh, we want something that's on the other side of the black hole. We want something that we can't even see something that we might not even recognize as Homestuck. So, you know, uh, this is all to say, if there is one thing that Homestuck taught me, it's uh, know when to let a story end. And this is one of the reasons why uh, people have asked, are we going to be playing the, the Hive Swap games? Are we going to be talking about Homestuck 2? Um, and my answer is no. Uh, not because I think those things are bad or aren't worth talking about, uh, but for all of the reasons I've laid out over the course of uh, all the partisodes thus far, is like I have a very particular perspective on that story and a very particular understanding of that story and how it relates to me as a reader. Um, and I would uh, not be taking my own medicine if I did not let the story of historical Michael end and let someone else figure out what things looked like uh, after I stopped paying attention to this comic. So, wow. What a powerful story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. That's a resounding vote of confidence. I have, uh, I, I, you know, much like all of Michael's big surprises, I'm, I'm caught flat-footed. Uh, so I, I don't really have a, I don't yeah. have a strong opinion on it. I, I think, I think that's right. Uh, like kind of your interpretation of Lord English, I, I like it. It feels correct, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Well, I can't co-sign it because right. I can't. You know, well, it's bit. Yeah. You've had. Uh, you're, you're cheating. Mm -hmm. You've had. Uh, like seven years to think about this. exactly right and and you don't need i guess i just need to reread homestuck <laughs> to see where i feel about it yeah uh, maybe and like you don't need to co-sign it right i'm not offering this as the final word on homestuck i'm offering it as like you know uh, a way of understanding it and i could have and this is you know may, you may have wondered like why did michael do all the shit with uh, uh michael's big reveal and like the caliborn stuff um and it's to like i could have presented that reading as a reading that came from nowhere and I didn't want to do that. Uh, like, mm -hmm. I wanted to demonstrate that, like, readings come from places. Uh, and 
so like here's here's the other thing to be clear about in this interpretation right is that uh, you said you don't need to co-sign it or don't want to you can't necessarily co-sign it and that's fine mm-hmm. because uh uh you can easily argue against the interpretation i just gave in fact m- Doing so proves the interpretation even more correct, right? This is this is the other beautiful Lord Michael in here. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about it, right? Is that it it is the um, in a uh, video released uh, for Viz after they acquired the rights to uh, take over the website (laughs) and publish Homestuck's uh, books. uh, Hussey calls Homestuck and I quote a shit post epic. Uh, and I think it would be very appropriate in that case if one of the ultimate readings you can come away from it with is like this structure of an internet trolls forum argument, which is that uh, there is nothing like uh, uh, there's multifarious readings here. And if you try to like uh, uh, pick away at my understanding of Lord English or whatever, you are in fact only empowering my initial claim, uh, which is that this is a comic that teaches you to argue with other people about their readings of the comic. <laughs> so... <laughs> Do you know, can you think back to the early partisodes mm-hmm. and think back to our analysis of the beginning of the comic and connect that up to this very thing that you're doing right now? I've done it <laughs> in my head. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure I could, but I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say. It's just, this is just forums ass puppet mastering. Yep. You've fallen into my puppet master's trap. All of my post history, aka the thirty hours of <laughs> of uh, episodes we have put out, it's all been so you would hoist yourself by your own petard. Oh no! Boom! Got him. Mm-hmm. It is truly a product of the forums era. Mm-hmm inescapable in its dna wherever you believe you are not finding the forums <laughs> you are finding the forums mm-hmm. <laughs> perfect you know i was just looking here while you were while, while you were laying all that out i was looking here to see if uh like an intertext i was looking at some dates mm-hmm. an intertext that we have not mentioned in which i'm going to deflate the entire episode by bringing up okay great this is the ultimate deflation are you ready uh-huh how I Met Your Mother. <gasps> oh, <laughs> <laughs> how I Met Your Mother starts oh, right before my, Homestuck. Oh, my computer's broken. Right my computer's broken and the lights are flashing out in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, but think about it, okay. right? Think about that, like, the famous How I Met Your Mother swerve of the final. I just read a long article like a couple weeks ago that was like everyone's complaints about the end of How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. And it's but it's the exact same thing we're talking about. The that you know the final x amount is just like a hard detour. Mm-hmm. Uh you're told where all these characters are, they all get to live a little happy life afterward. There's a time skip. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of shit. It's kind of wild. We gotta go back to yeah. the beginning. We gotta oh, go man. start from the beginning to talk about <laughs> how I met your Forget mother. Undertale. We're doing an a, an extremely granular how I met your mother uh watch through next. Every episode is uh is is one minute of the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that would be such a good but horrifying bit. Yeah. <laughs> it would. 
All right. Well, what are the uh, the next uh, partisodes we're doing here? Well, uh, the next partisodes are done. Uh, next time we're going to uh, jump ahead. Well, I already actually technically jumped ahead in my my reading of the forums, right? Uh, but we're going to bop on over to 2019. Uh, and we are going to be reading the Homestuck epilogues that Hussey hinted at all the way back right now in 2016. Uh, and we're going to kind of see, um, what happens with those because you, you may be wondering, uh, if you're listening based on everything I just said, like, why would I go for the epilogues? Uh, like, why would I, uh, continue with that? The simple answer is like, I think the uh, epilogues are super interesting, uh, in terms of things that they actually do, uh, and in terms of things that I think that they are trying to do. Um, there's, there's some, like, interesting gambits, uh, and then also, frankly, uh, the classic Homestuck experience, a lot of these reservations that I have about, like, the way that Homestuck proper ends, and sort of, like, you know, the nature of the game and all that stuff, uh, the epilogues, kind of answer some of those questions, right? Or they they, they attempt to provide uh, responses to the reservations uh, that I had, and I assume other readers, you know, in similar positions had uh, uh, about the ending. Um, and I think it's just kind of worth seeing uh, what, uh, what it looks like when uh, Andrew Hussey and some uh, uh, collaborators, because Hussey is not the, the sole author of the epilogues, right? There's a, a team of writers, um, mm -hmm. what happens when, uh, this thing takes on kind of a new form and, uh, just sort of reflecting on it and, uh, uh, how it relates to all of the stuff we've been talking about for the past 30 some hours. Wowee. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Got the, this big ass book on my desk. Yep. And, uh, uh, you, if you're, uh person familiar with the epilogues you may be wondering like because it is a very hefty book are we going to be doing more partisodes no i think it's just going to be it may be a, a pretty lengthy uh episode but i think what we have to say about the epilogues can be contained within uh j just one uh episode one unified full episode that will conclude uh properly homestuck made this world yep but still plenty of bonuses to go and uh Structurally, so, so what will happen is that the uh, epilogues uh, episode mm -hmm. will come out, and then uh, the Patreon bonus feed will will keep on going, and then we'll kind of easily shift into over on YouTube. It will not be in the um, in this RSS feed that you're listening to, although I'll probably put up a little note here that's just like, hey, go check that out. Uh, but it'll be on youtube.com slash ranged touch. And then the, but the bonus feed episodes, uh, the, the bonus apps that are behind the Patreon wall, those will keep going at the same rate that they are going uh, all the way until the summer, basically until uh, the Undertale LP is complete. And then uh, at that point, everything Homestuck will kind of uh, shut down. And then the bonus episodes for the as yet unannounced summer show will uh, be a new uh, feed. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, every by basically July 2023 ish somewhere around there all range touch homestuck content will be complete and I think that the current plan is to for me to zip all of these episodes into a big archive and host them somewhere as as well as keeping the RSS feed up for eternity uh you know uh, even though it costs us a little bit of money I'm 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 happy to do that but I think we do want some sort of archive beyond that mm -hmm. so um, we're still trying to figure that out, but but it's not like the Homestuck show will be gone and then um, 
disappear into the aether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I would I would hate for this show to disappear because uh, despite all the Caliborn talk, uh, it should be clear that this is a Calliope project for me. That uh, one of the reasons I decided to undertake a sort of uh, uh, you know first person history of Homestuck uh, was precisely because I saw uh, so much of like what happened with this comic as it was being written and posted serially uh, that it was so influenced by that. Um, that watching that stuff disappear is, I mean, sad, and it's the sort of thing that happens with history, and it doesn't mean that, like, every reading of Homestuck that does not account for the historical process is wrong, uh, but I wanted some of that information to be, like, located somewhere for people if they wanted to have it, if they wanted to use it, because I just thought it would be a huge shame if uh, uh, Homestuck continued on in however it did with all of these memories kind of being lost, so... Uh, best of luck to you in the future, uh, little Homestucks. <laughs> and big Homestucks, too. <laughs> you can be as adult or child as you choose to be. Or are. Oh, I, I wasn't, I didn't mean that in terms of age. I just meant, like, uh, relative to me, as a fairly large Homestuck. I'm assuming uh, uh, Homestuck size increases relative to time spent on Homestuck. So, if Lord English himself is any indication... <laughs> Uh, Uh, Well, that sounds like the end of the partisan. All right. Yep. Uh, Goodbye, episode 12. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Catch you next time when we talk about the epilogues. Bye.